0: You will travel far, my little Kalal. But we will never leave you, even in the face of our death. The richness of our lives shall be yours. All that I have, all that I've learned, everything I feel, all this and more I... I bequeath you, my son. You will carry me inside you all the days of your life.
1: You will make my strength your own. See my life through your eyes, as your life will be seen
0: through mine. The son becomes the father, and the father the the son. expect me to talk
2: episode 62 of do you expect to talk able to leap tall buildings in a single bound i'm your host becca andrews and joining me as always it's the man who's faster than a speeding bullet chris burton
1: (laughs) 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 i'm not sure i'm I'm not sure whether to take that as a compliment or (laughs) that's both of us us finishing quite quickly
0: I thought, you All
2: know, right. i tried to go back, back to the roots and try and include a bit of the original introduction in there, so. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. What type of bird do you think they thought it was? Is it a bird? Is it a plane?
1: No, it's, it's a, a bloke? No, it's a guy jumping <laughs> over large buildings. Yeah. <laughs> a single right. pound. Good evening, folks. Hello, I should say, yes.
2: It's a brand new series. A brand new podcast with a brand new Thank series. Fuck! <laughs> Glad to be done with Star Trek.
1: I don't know. Whoa. What about
3: you, Charlie? 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 Oh, he's, oh, he's oh. Oh, if you can't be asked to turn out, i I'm, I'm banning oh. him from the next couple of series. You can come back for Star Wars if you can't be asked to turn <laughs> out.
2: Yeah, we've... Um, Charlie's not yes, joining us sick... for the time being, but we'll have no, him but... back for, uh, for Star Wars.
1: I was sick
3: to death of <laughs> Star Trek by the end.
1: Which is funny, because you actually really like Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I do, but the last half of the
3: series, by and large, is shite.
1: Yeah, it is. That, that's very It just kind
2: of go down and becomes a series it,
3: it of TV just, movies. It, it's kind of periodically all right, and the rest of the time dull after Undiscovered Country. Mm. Well, um, it'll, yeah.
1: be, it'll be nice to uh, talk about some uh, actual good films, like uh, Superman 3 and 4. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> that's the thing. There is
3: nothing in Star Trek where it's bad that's funny like 4. You know, incompetent shit, a bit like Die Another Day and stuff. You know? Yeah. This series has a couple of those, so we should have some fun with it. And it's short as well, so if we do get fed up with it, it will probably be, you know, way after we would have been done.
1: Yeah, and then after that, it's Rocky, isn't it? Which is the one. I have to admit,
3: I've got myself quite excited about this film tonight because I've been doing a lot of reading over the last few days. But I have to say, Rocky's the series I'm really excited for.
1: Uh, is that probably because Becca is new to the series? She's not I think it's ever. partly that, yeah. Yeah, I've yeah, managed that, to avoid
2: but... it somehow. I don't know how that's happened, but I just, you know, I know of it because it's kind of found its way into popular culture, but I just somehow never seen the movies. <gasps> Shock horror.
3: Yeah, it's, he's, a, he's a boxer, Becca.
2: Oh, really? Oh, I never knew that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: she, she thought it was about hockey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought it was Rocky? Like the hockey? I yes. <laughs> yeah. Some guy,
2: you know, I don't know. I've seen all the Rambo movies. if that
3: help?s <laughs> It doesn't help at all. <laughs> <No>.
0: <laughs>
1: I know, <Batman laughs> Boy, you're uh, that's, that's, but that's, that's never like... a spin-off they actually did, does it? Like <laughs> Rocky meets Rambo. I think there
3: is an extra on Star Trek Five. Uh, on a Star Trek, fucking! Hell, I've got to get out of that habit. There is an extra on on Rocky where like Stallone meets Rocky. All right. It's cringe-making. It's really bad.
2: Oh dear. <laughs>
1: but um, I kind of have it. to see it.
3: They meet in an art skin. gallery or around one of his paintings or something.
1: Is it, or is it kind of like it's... that scene in Skyfall? Where they kind of just sort of... No, there's no subtext of one of them can't get it up anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um,
3: yeah, so that's the, the series I'm really excited to, for. Having said that, tonight we're getting to my sort of first cinematic love.
2: Oh, okay. That's right. <laughs>
3: yeah well more on that next week but becca tell us about tonight's film
2: um yeah so it's a new podcast with a new series we are discussing superman the movie starring christopher reeve gene hackman margot kidder marlon brando and ned beattie superman of course created by jerry Siegel and joe sister a story by mario Puzo, which really surprised me um scored mm. by the amazing john williams and directed by richard donner and released in 1978
3: yeah, although we say Mario Puzo, he, he did the sort of first pass at the screenplay. I don't think an awful, it was very much a framework. It's The, the, the person probably most responsible for the final version of the script, even though it's uh, David and Leslie Newman, it is probably Tom Mankiewicz. Uh, creative consultant on this did most of it, and you, you can actually hear some of his lines in this
1: film, really.
2: You can, it's a very Mankiewicz movie, isn't it,
3: I think?
1: Mm. Your old friend Mankiewicz.
2: Yes, yeah. we should probably just do a Mankiewicz
1: post. A podcast, uh, really, we? Well,
3: it, it, I think he's better suited to this. I have to say, it's more I, light I, fair, I, I think. I I just thought he fucked up Bond terribly. He, he wrote on about three or four of them, and all but one of them was terrible. Um, and the one that, um, all of them, one of the worst things about it were the lines, were the were the dialogue. Diamonds. Um, yeah, Diamonds. <laughs> he wrote on Diamonds. He wrote on Live and Let Die, which I like. Um, he wrote on The Man with the Golden Gun as well. So basically,
1: Sheriff uh, T, whatever his name is, Pepper. Yeah. Um, J.W. Pepper. Yeah, that's a yeah, lot. And,
3: and when you think of Live and Let Die with the uh, the taxi driver who's taking him round, you, you can totally hear that in,
1: Hey, Jim, that's a bad outfit!
3: tonight's <laughs> uh, film. Actually,
1: <laughs> do, do you know? Well, I suppose we'll get to that, but I... I, mm-hmm. I it it's always takes me out of the film a little bit because I just think that, not not just like, oh, hey, Jim, that's a nice outfit. But when like, he flies up, the, the guy goes, Woo! whoa I'm like, hang on. I, I think if you generally saw that, bear in mind, this is like the first time ever Superman has been out in the public. You would be like, what? The guy just flew in front of me. Yeah. yeah. Or you'll be like, what? you know, be like, what?
3: Are, are we to imply this guy stoned off his tits? Which is kind of lazy racial stereotyping. <laughs> so, the yeah. it's it's, bit,
1: it's mm-hmm. the only opera, um, operation. It's only it's only explanation for that performance. But even then, it's like it doesn't even sound that stoned. So it's it's just a bit like I don't know. I mean, it's a little moment. It's neither here or there anyway. But it's well, just... we've gone for the odd format of starting. Yes.
2: Yeah, <laughs> halfway through. <true.
3: laughs>
1: So, um, so yeah, so uh, I suppose, um, what, do we th- what do we think of the film? Let's start there, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: how, um, did, how did we sort of come to the series? I say, Dave, you just said it was your like first cinematic experience. Uh, Tell us a little was, bit about that.
3: Uh, this wasn't Superman 2, was. Uh, ah, I right. talked about it a little bit before. Uh, well, I was born in late 76. Uh, this was late 78, so I would have been too young for this. Oh. You could argue I was too young for Superman 2, really, because I'd only just turned four, but I do remember it. And I remember being taken to the cinema, and I've talked about this during Bond, that I got there in the big cardboard cutouts of Christopher Reeve, you know, bigger than life size. And I was absurdly excited. And of course you couldn't pre-book anything. So I, um, they were full, they were full. We were told, we were turned away. And I just remember crying my eyes out. And the thing is, there is no, um, pain is pain when you're that age. (laughs) It, It doesn't matter whether it's serious or not. And I remember telling someone this story three or four years ago and I choked up. (laughs) uh, Because it's probably one of the most painful things that's ever happened to me relative to, you know what I mean? At four, not being able to get into this I was really, really excited. And as we were about to leave, I don't know if somebody changed their mind or they took pity on me or what. But we were told, "Uh, no, you can come in. And I just remember it. I, I remember it. It's really like a it's bit. wonderful oh. life all over again, isn't it? Like... <laughs> well, I wasn't turned away from that until I cried <laughs> to get
0: what are we on Yeah, about? but do you know what I mean? It's like, like... Look at him.
1: Can't you see how sad he is? <laughs> <laughs> look at that little face. You've got that like, sort of like build up, and then then also just like crushing disappointment, like the lowest you can possibly get. And it's like, never mind. Okay, is that like see... it's
3: a wonderful life all my Well, up?
1: no. Well. <laughs>
3: No to build up, crushing disappointment. <laughs> um, <Aww. laughs> um, not that much
1: build up. fast um, <laughs> um, Bullet. Yeah, and has and me. But
0: um,
3: in him fighting the three Kryptonians, which we'll talk about more next week, I can still remember that. I can remember watching that on the screen. I remember an even younger kid behind me who I turned around and told to shut up. Oh, <laughs> I, was, I was ruining the film, and I was four. I had an
1: adult's attention span for films at that age. I like um, you had like this, like sort of uh, love for cinema etiquette. Like, already at the age of four. Yeah, right? I know. The first
3: film I'd ever seen, never set foot in one before, and I'm telling them to bite the fuck <laughs> <laughs> back. <But> anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was my first um, cinematic experience. I remember coming home, with, uh, for long convoluted family reasons, um, we lived with my grandparents at the time, and I remember coming home and raving about it to my nan. And I was Superman mad for the years that followed. I was a little bit later getting to Star Wars, but those are probably the two series that moved me most as a
1: kid. Yeah, for me it was kind of it was already kind of out and about. You know, gr- I remember like growing up, so you had your Star Wars, you had like Superman was already like kind of remember it being on TV already. You know, even Superman Two. Uh, uh, I remember growing up, that was on that was on TV, and even um, and and my first. I'm sure there has been early examples but uh, um the one I can definely remember is seeing Superman four at the cinema so when watch your first cinema going that's the only one I can actually clarify is Superman four um which uh, which is a <laughs> a stunning piece of work as uh, I think we all agree <laughs> so oh well, you got that joy to come um yeah um yeah <laughs> Uh, so it's it's always been kind of like there, so it,
0: it's... Oh,
3: hang on a minute. Sorry to interrupt, but there's a repeating theme here because I saw that at the cinema too, and I turned and told a kid to pipe the fuck down in that <laughs> one as well. No. <laughs> I, 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 I take my Superman films very seriously. Keith, well, my... you know, I, I
1: don't... I... <laughs> I don't have a a summer story, but I do remember wanting to tell a couple of people to pipe the fuck down in uh, Superman Returns. So I guess there's that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that happened to me as well. Actually, to be honest, I was like, "Excuse me, will you shut up?" You know.
1: So you your first. It's, one, it's, you, it's why I feel like to go in the middle of the day because there's less people. So. <laughs> just yeah. Um, but so yeah, it was just like it was it was just like a thing that you was just there, common growing up, really saying, and it was like these. The superhero film. Was, there wasn't many about. I don't think there was any about really, uh, other than Batman, which was huge uh, when I was younger uh, at school when that came out in cinema. Um, even though it was a fifteen uh, when it was out, and it was like, it was almost one of like contraband things where you're like, I, you are like, yeah, you know, I can't, you know, I can't see it because I'm too, you know, I'm not fifteen, you know, so you had to wait till it's on VHS back in oh, the days back in the, days, back in the day
3: of the earliest 12s put the points mute because you were about seven
1: oh yes oh yes yeah my, my, my yeah that that was it it was it was out on it was out on cinema 12 but released on video at 15 because there was no 12 on video which i still don't know why it's just the whole principle of it was just founded on me but anyway um so yeah, it's a point to point Superman's already been there. It's always been like a, a common, well-known thing. So I think, um, regards to, for, for at least my mentality, my knowledge, Superman is kind of like the archetype, original superhero. Um, at least yeah, uh, I mean, the,
3: the the spin-offs from this period were, were were not the spin-offs, but the sort of cash-ins were largely television. Yeah, you know, around the late seventies, you had a Spider-Man TV show, which only ran about twelve, thirteen episodes.
1: You had radio you shows. Had Incredi- that, you had yeah. the
3: Incredible Hulk. Yeah, that's that's going back a bit further. Yeah, but it it didn't start the the sort of rash of maybe superhero films you yeah. might have thought it did. But we can possibly get on to why with that a bit a bit later. Is it a series you found that you, you always liked, Chris?
1: Yeah, I think you know when you were a kid, you just like like Flash colors, you go oh yeah great you know like you know like so sort of superman or anything or even like sort of spider because i remember like the uh there was a tv show wasn't there which looks yeah, really naff like, now so. we look back at it yeah Nicholas Hammers, i think
3: the the eldest of the von trapp kids
1: oh really oh yeah. wow.
3: wow how about that
2: that's a bit of a yeah if
3: you, if you go and watch the sound of music uh spider-man is in it <laughs> as, as i think the eldest kid so, okay yeah.
2: i never knew that Fun fact, folks. <laughs> That's, That's fun, fun, folks. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun yeah.
1: folks. So, yeah, I think it was just one of them, like the, one of those things that was just ingrained into, like you know, your, your childhood or almost like growing up. You watch, you watch Superman, even though you kind of you don't really necessarily take on board consciously. But um, but going back on, like watching it today, um, it you know it is you know by by all accounts a good film, like a, you know objectively probably one the best superhero films out there you know uh pound for pound apart from a few things i object to principally the ending we'll get to it um, i think that was a sign of
3: i think that was partly its production having said yes. that i think that th- some of the things we're going to object to would have been in a superman film one way or another regardless could, um
1: could be uh, i mean yeah. like i think the this film does have a really interesting production story
3: We'll talk about that before we get into the sort of scene by scene of the film. Um, but first off, um, Becca, you obviously I saw um, well three of them theatrically. Um, Chris, you obviously they were still making the original series with Christopher Reeve when you get there. You, you being the youngest of us, so, although only by a couple of years, this would have been done and dusted by the time you were aware of it.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, same as Chris, really. It's kind of it's always something that was that was around you know, in sort of popular culture and us all growing up. Um, I think the, the Supergirl movie was out in cinemas. I, I think, think that,
3: that was from that, that the year, That came out the year you were born. Yeah,
2: but I, that's another one I've not seen, so I managed to avoid that one. Um, yes, I'm, I think I've seen, like, in terms of the original Superman movies, I think the first two, um, not seen three or four, and then obviously the Brandon Ralph movie um, and the awful one since then, oh, that I shall not speak of again. Um, but yeah, it's just something that's always been around. Um, I wouldn't say I'm much of like a of a super fan of like comic book hero sort of. Magazines You're not films, a super like, fan a
1: of Superman, Becca.
2: That's that's it. That's it. That's it. But no, it's something that's always been around, and it's kind of you know I've, I've seen as many of the films as I've been able to see. Um, but yeah, again, I'm sort of another newcomer to this series. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, the first film was this kind of. It's one of my favourites. Um, there's a few things, yeah, towards the ending that I'm a bit uh, about, um, and it's one of those also films where its production history is perhaps, more, more, well, more important, um, but almost equally interesting as the film itself. So I'm looking forward to it generally.
3: So just, just talking about production history, I mean, we can all chip in, but I've been reading uh, a book I've had on Kindle for years. I didn't get it for this show. But it's it's called Superman vs. Hollywood, um, and its sort of subtitle is How Fiendish Producers, Devious Directors, uh, and Warring Writers Grounded an American Icon. Um, and it's a collaboration between Jake Rossen and Mark Millar, the comic book. Um, although, actually, I'm saying that it isn't. I'm actually looking it up. And Mark Millar actually only writes the foreword on it. But it is it is just a story of, of all of the attempts over the years to get Superman on the big and small screen. Um, and also with all the special features and commentaries and all the rest of it. Um, it's a very, very long story, which we won't even attempt to tell all of. But in brief, this film was produced by the Salkinds, Alexander and Ilya, uh, father and son, and... Um, uh, European director, uh, European producers, uh, their biggest hit before this would have been the three and the four Musketeers films from a little bit earlier in the 70s, uh, directed by Richard Lester, who we will sort of come back to as a director through this series. Um, Richard Lester uh, was probably best known for, uh, I would say, A Hard Day's Night before that. Uh, now, what they did, Ilya was a big Superman fan, or at least that's how uh, the stuff I've read paints him, and he pitched the idea to his father, and again, a very, very long story short, they ended up getting, with Warner Brothers, what's known as a negative pickup deal. Now, a negative pickup deal is nothing more than the, the studio saying to you, you go and make it, you produce it, you finance it, and we may distribute it for us for you, no guarantees. Uh, they paid They paid uh, at least a million. Again, the book contradicts itself in a couple of places because it seems to say four million in one place and then a million somewhere else. But they bought the rights to Superman for 25 years for the big screen, uh, somewhere in the mid-70s. And they had to find all the financing for it. We'll come more to it as we tell. I'll tell the story about Superman 2 because their attitude to money and financing and everything else really ends up um causing problems and it does cause problems on this shoot as well um as the production went on they did end up sort of giving up part of those rights and so on in fact alexander solkind uh, claimed uh, kept hold of the negative until they gave him another 15 million dollars in response for three territories uh he had it to ransom um effectively but uh Again, long story short, this the production budget on this actually ended up coming in at about fifty-five million dollars, which was huge for its time. But they start a Superman film without any idea of how to do flying effects, for example. Uh, this was pre-sort of best visual effects Oscars. Uh, the Oscar there was a, an, a sort of honorary Oscar for the achievement of of that sort of flying in this film. Their original plan uh, they to get money uh they wanted a name writer they went through lots of different people but they ended up with mario Puzo. mario Puzo submitted a 300 page screenplay now the general rule of thumb with screenplays is a minute a page so that can that already tells you he's written a
1: five-hour film <laughs> which is
2: lummingly <laughs> long oh my god yeah
1: um which Back is not so which is like I do hear things like when you hear about the original cut or the original like you know the 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 shooting shot of films generally are like around 5 hours 6 hours and you think fucking hell, how much did you fucking cut out so i always do wonder whether that um when they say that whether it's the whether it's the it just had so much they've actually cut out the film or they're talking like literally like the most well, elongated shots he yeah. certainly
3: did have a framework because, I mean, the four—it was four Kryptonian villains in his version. Yeah, uh, obviously wow. became three. It was but three. All of those sorts of things. Yeah, it really watered it down. Only yeah. three people. Only three <laughs> people ruthlessly kicking the shit out of him. Only. Um, <laughs> um The original uh, director attached was Guy Hamilton. Oh. Yeah, I've seen test footage that was shot by Guy Hamilton. It looks awful, actually. They were going to film, and they were struggling to get the money to make this film. It's a very piecemeal story I'm trying to sort of pull together here. Uh, but they got a phone call from an agent and sort of contacts guy, if you like, who said that he could get them Brando. And that was the game changer, because Marlon Brando basically opens wallets. And um, so and Brando...
2: Like
3: wallets opening by all accounts. Yeah, well... Um, Brando and Hamilton were attached. Was that, before, next... that, was that before or after Last Tango in Paris? This is after. Last Tango in Paris was a little earlier in the 70s, but funny you mentioned Last Tango in Paris. That's the next problem we get to. They started building sets in Rome. By the way,
1: pass the butter, please. Hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I remember that Harry and
3: Butter's up again. What is it? Morrison's ad? No. <laughs> Last Tango in Paris. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Um, they go to... Italy to start, you know, preparing this film and all the rest of it, building sets. And they are suddenly Bernardo Bertolucci, who directed Last Tango in Paris and The Dreamers, just saying, you know, Eva Green and that, um, was put up on an obscenity charge, as was Marlon Brando for Last Tango in Paris. So suddenly they can't shoot in Italy. So they shift to Britain the value of the pound relative and all the rest of it and the skilled crews we've got over here, it, it makes it a good fit. The problem is Guy Hamilton's a tax exile, so he can't work here for more than 30 days a year. So Guy Hamilton drops out. <laughs> um, and again, there's a long story behind this, but we end up with Richard Donner. Um, various reasons for that, His, but his big break had been a couple of years before with the Omen, um, he was a name suggested to them. So we're now slated, ready to start in sort of 1977 with uh, Marlon Brando. I forget to mention Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman signed on for another two million. They really threw money at the, at the names. Hackman wanted to get involved. He approached them because he wanted to be on the same film as Brando. They said, well, the only role he could feasibly play is Luther, but there'll be no scenes together. Um, more stories about, about Hackman later on. So they're ready to go, but they don't have a Superman. And you hear some unbelievable things on the special features and in this book. Firstly, the studio pre-approved Dustin Hoffman.
0: (laughs) That would (laughs) have been a completely different film.
3: Yeah. Jewish and about three foot two, but yeah, you
0: know.
1: Well, um, <laughs> just sort of just sort of just seem like basically do rayman does like superman that's all i can picture yeah i would have we'll said t- it's it you
3: know, it time for the people's court uh, <laughs> yeah um they screen tested almost anyone you could think of they had conversations with robert redford robert redford said no uh, it's not going to work people won't believe me in that role uh, they talked to Steve McQueen Who said no straight out of hand Again Steve McQueen
0: no. <laughs> They talked talk, the kind of talk to the day? This one,
3: Picture this one in your head Round this era They spoke to Clint Eastwood
0: oh,
3: Wow. <laughs> who was busy Amazingly enough Five eye lasers or six <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> They just screen tested everyone Though You're just reading about all these different people I heard uh, they asked
2: like, like James Caan Who was like I'm not going to wear that Khan, suit no? You know
3: Khan was in there. Um, they even spoke to Francis Ford Coppola about directing, thinking of James Khan and The Godfather, and so Ah. on. Um, it was just a real scattergun approach. At one point, Ilya Salkine's wife suggested her dentist, so so they flew him somewhere (laughs) and suggested this guy because she kind of looked like him. And that was the general problem they could either act or they looked the part, and, and you didn't really get both. Uh, and again, it was a suggestion through an agent of Christopher Reeve. Who was built like a beanpole at the time? There is a there is a um, screen test on one of the special features. Very thin with sweaty armpits, but he had the he had the right stuff, and they went with him. He's very uh, charismatic, I think. Yeah. Now the, the one last thing worth mentioning about the Salkines before we get any further with it is the Salkines were there was a sort of groundbreaking legal case over the Three and Four Musketeers. Because all of the actors in that signed on to do one film. And when they shot enough that suddenly it was two, but they were being reimbursed for one, that
1: caused... caused Legal disputes, yeah.
3: Yes, and the legal dispute was quite simply that you now have to tell an actor if they're signing on for one project or multiple. Um, And that comes into play here because they they kept reworking the script. Tom Mankiewicz, as I say at this point, was trimming it down as much as he could. And it became clear it was two films so they went to shoot them simultaneously and again for reasons we'll get more into next week
1: so they i know we're like, we talk about superman but for the three for the three musketeer films right did they know at the time well you know it's gonna be one big shoot so we're paying for one but we're gonna do two films or was it kind of like plan, it's not clear? Plan... Okay.
3: from what you know of the style kinds, you tended you tend to think they knew but you never know. there are stories again. We'll get to them a bit next week because although they're part of this shoot, um, they include they they um, encompass actors like Jack O'Halloran who played non. and he, it's best talked about next week. But there were real cash flow problems. They wasted a lot of money on silly things. That, I mean, they thought they could make it for twenty million. They'd spent a third of their budget before they shot anything. They shot over a million feet of film where I once read that that's what they shot entirely for the Lord of the Rings films. Um, so, yeah, it was an expensive, wasteful production. And it did, it did cause problems because Richard Donner worked very methodically and they were trying to get him to speed up, which is one of the reasons we've got a, 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 director, a change of director next week. Richard Lester did have some involvement in this film. He did shoot some second unit and to start with him and donna got on very well funnily enough the reason he got involved was he had sued the salkines over the three musketeers for not having ever been paid all his money and uh, it was one of the sort of ways that 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 he got his money that he kind of agreed to help them out on this um so yeah yeah we'll we'll,
1: we'll pay you properly but uh yeah so you know
3: There are a lot of stories about them trying to penny pinch, uh, but you've got a director and a superstar in Brando, and a prestige cast that I think the existence of which really reverberates through future um, superhero series. We get to something like Batman. Nolan cites this as a as an influence on him looking for such a high profile cast when it came to Batman Begins. But uh, thankfully, Richard Donner took the material very seriously. Uh, he you, His watchword being verisimilitude, which basically means the appearance of reality. Um, and it does everything that something like Flash Gordon a couple of years later doesn't do. That sort of nodding and winking at the material just isn't there. And because of people like Tom Mankiewicz, who just decided to stay inside the material rather than winking at it. Um, some of the stuff that was in versions of the script got excised, like there was going to be a cameo by Kojak. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs>
2: where <laughs> yeah. they go to him on the
3: street and he just turns and who loves your baby? Who
2: loves your baby? Gives um, you a
3: lollipop. I think that's all I want to say on it now. The rest of it, because I've talked for ages there and, and we'll go through it a bit more as we go through the film. There's a lot more on that next week. But yeah, a, a, a groundbreaking production. They start a film without knowing whether they can do the effects to make it work. They don't know whether they can find the actor to make it work. They don't know if they can find the tone to make it work. So whatever the flaws, the fact that particularly Ilias Alkind threw himself at doing this and trying to do it properly. It was more his father that was penny pinching. Um I think we owe a, a great debt to it.
0: Yeah.
2: I, I definitely I think yeah, in terms of the way this film has come about, I mean everything was against it. Um but it's just it's become one of the most I don't know, best of kind of comic book hero movies. Into a popular culture, as far as I understand.
1: Yeah, it's just a shame that the uh, the was it, what 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 are they called the uh, the Salkinds, was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's, really it, a it's just it's just a shame that they were kind of like shit at their jobs. Really, I mean, they, they'd be they'd probably, they'd probably had the vision somewhere and like and they the were tenacity. Ilya
3: wanted to make the film. He was younger. I mean, he's, he's 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 still around now that he's on bonus features and so on, and he's on commentaries. Uh, he uh, he brought in Pierre Spengler, who was a friend of his, to basically produce. But Richard Donner, and the, there are stories on the other side of this as well, but Richard Donner always just said they, they weren't really creatives. They were good at finding financing. It was back in an era where banks would get involved, and, and somehow, despite their attitude, they managed to keep the film afloat.
0: Mm. But
3: it is a little bit like, I, I think of something like Over the Top where, like, Stallone got, like, a world record salary or something for a relatively low-budget niche appeal film. They paid Marlon Brando, I think it was something like 3 million against 5% of the gross for 15 minutes of screen time in total in all versions of this film, if you include this, the special edition. And he ended up taking home 15 million. Well, the, the film only cost 55, and that was high. Um, and the actual production of that's only about 40, and... Uh, Hackman got two million. At one point, for Miss Teshmarker, their first choice was Goldie Horn. That would they
0: have been were fun. Gonna,
3: and they were, she was looking for two million. They were going to do it. No, um, too much. She
2: was too expensive.
3: Well, they, they ended up going with, with another actress at half a million, closed the deal with her, and then hired Valerie Perrine at half that. Yeah. And when they said, well, what about the one you've just signed? They was like, ah, oh, she can sue. Their, <laughs> their, their attitude <laughs> stank. Christopher Reeve got two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for this film. Uh, no, look,
0: at,
2: look at where he would, where it would lead him. You know.
3: But there you go. So that's where we are. They had expensive launches, and they, yeah, they they spent a lot of money on this.
2: I think it, yeah, Reeve's done a right out, of it, I think.
1: Well, not not at the moment no. but uh... well, not, <laughs> well not, not obviously, but in terms of his his career, yeah. Who slapped him down? No, <laughs> but
2: obviously, in terms of like, his estate and his, you know, his career, obviously he had. Obviously, up until the accident, and we know the rest of the story. But you know, you know what I mean in terms of you know where where it took him. He
3: was um, happy about signing on for this for obvious reasons. I can imagine he thought it would make and destroy his career at the same time.
2: It's quite it's uh, such a big role, wasn't it? Considering the he was story, the unknown.
3: Story I read is so uh, it's so in line with what we know about the person. I'm going to say. He spoke to Tom Mankiewicz and said he was worried about taking on you know, this, this role that might end up defining him and typecasting him and everything else. And he begged Mankiewicz to put him in touch with um, Sean Connery
0: yeah.
3: uh, because Sean Connery was probably the closest at that time to, to like an iconic franchise, effectively, before yeah. franchise was a thing.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> and Sean Connery said no, which is just <laughs> so Sean Connery. Will you talk to, to me about off. this? No. Um, but then they happened to be at the same party a few weeks or months later and he did actually uh, sort of pigeonhole you know, buttonhole him getting in him a corner and talk to him about it okay. and uh, Sean Connery said okay, he said if it's been written by Tom he said it's probably not very good <laughs> 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 that's a joke because is stood there to be fair and he said so it's probably not very good he said if you do it he said make sure your second picture is something completely different he said, and if they want you to do a second one, he said, at that point, get a lawyer and take, take what you can. And that is advice that Christopher Reeve followed to the letter. We'll talk next week about what he did between the two Superman films. It's a film I know very well with a composer we all know very well, but we'll come back to that. Anyhow, shall we discuss this film sequentially?
2: Why not, why not?
1: Go on, then. As uh, as Becca's given her general thoughts, have I completely... Yep, I have. Okay, sorry. Uh, just Pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention, dungeon. Hey, W seven. Yeah, Leave no, no. A beat, I'll
3: cut that bit. Please. Yeah, no. Whichever one of you wants to talk about where we go next.
1: Okay, so we basically start off with a, a kind of a little bit unnecessary thing. I mean, it's a nice little touch, I guess, but we open with like kind of like the, t- the action store. Action comics open, open. Yeah. Open. Like, yeah. June you know, 1938 action comics. Yeah, and it's like it. It feels just a bit out. of, I, I do wonder what the point was. is because I don't think we actually need it, do we? I don't know what you guys feel.
2: It's like a complete introduction, isn't it? I mean, if, if you didn't know, you know, sort of the character or where it comes from, you knew it was a comic book, but you didn't know it was, you know, it had, it had the you roots don't of the character and yeah, in, in depression.
3: The comic, yeah. That's all,
2: yeah, that's all. It's a bit kind of, it's, it's an interesting way to open the film. It's a bit kind of, I was going to say half-hearted, but kind of not really. It doesn't go into as much detail as you'd like. Yeah,
3: with the curtain um, coming back as well, reminds me, Moulin Rouge reminded me of it. Well,
1: yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> it was a very sort of classic
0: way yeah. to open the film. Mm
1: but yeah you know, I, I guess it was maybe sort of like Harlan's is sort of like the you know revolution of cinema as well because it's this, this the first time we see uh, a a man actually fly as convincingly as it, as they do here um, yeah and and to be fair you know even by today's standards it looks flawless the 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 special effects um, I I tend a man to can think
3: fly. I I tend to think that I think this is just to give it, it gives it a feel of prestige and it gives it a feel that it's something a bit special and unique you're about to see.
1: What, mm. the, it, the, it, the comic, oh, book, comic book opening kind of thing? Well, just all of that with a little duration,
3: yeah. the curtains go back and June 1938 and all the rest of it. I just think it makes it, it does give it this this idea that it's been made with a bit of love.
1: Yeah, you're about to uh, you're see something like that is not your usual thing. There's kind of never thing.
3: been anything else that's felt like this mm. and I, and I'll talk about no, something very we me go through. I still think it's very special for that reason. It's got a unique feel it, even that something like the Nolan Batman films just don't have
1: I, um, I guess though I would argue that when you think of this film, you don't always think of this because this usually go kind of takes you back and go, oh shit, yeah, this isn't it, isn't it? uh for generally, most people like you yeah, don't don't yeah, definitely yeah, think but you, th- you think of how it opens, you think of how it actually opens and i think that is good enough as it is you know that's like the thing you remember that's what you take back
3: it's just a momentary little thing isn't it and yeah. then it just sort of cuts straight to the credits going from the daily planet up to into space and then these these credits which again they run forever but the music's wonderful
1: i know it, I, I mean i did think at the time you know we we talked about how like the star uh, star trek uh, title seems to go on for ages these um, go on forever, but you, you you don't mind because you just start taken back by the hot by a the score because it is like, I think you know we'll, we'll we'll probably talk about the main John Williams film here. Um, I think you can't. I I, I think he just knocked it straight out of the park straight out. You know it's iconic. It feels like exactly how it should. You know you you, you think of Superman, you think of this theme tune. that's one of the most memorable scores
2: I think in well in ever. I think you can't. You, Williams Superman, was gold of... around this era, wasn't?
1: Yeah, it? I mean, you think about the guy; he's done like what the, 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 the Star Wars, uh, Superman, uh, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, Jaws. Sure. He's responsible. E. T. Even Harry actually... Potter, Harry Potter. Yeah, In
2: terms actually, of the main So, many, so yeah. many cinematic memories. Yeah. John Williams is there at the centre of it.
3: The main right. theme from Harry Potter is high- iconic, even not the rest of the school.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, Hedwig theme is just one of those, isn't it? recognizable scores in modern film history i think
3: yeah but there was a certain period between sort of jaws and i don't know where you would say up to maybe maybe temple i don't know charlie would know better than us but he hasn't turned up the bastard (laughs) Um, (laughs) but we'll we'll have him on
2: for a special you know superhero um, movie we will score
3: music but um episodes yeah he he would know some of the maybe smaller films he Williams did, or things we're maybe not as aware of, and he go, "Oh no, you've got to remember no, you got to count from there to there because he did that, and we're just thinking of the big sort of groundstanding things. The things I really like about this, this score though, is that the main theme is one thing, but quite often a film with a really recognizable main theme doesn't have a lot else,
1: but there's just Man of Steel. Music all the way through <laughs> yeah.
0: this. which one Sorry I
1: was like, <clears throat> Man?: of Steel. Yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, we'll we'll view that in a different series, but. Um, uh, Not go straight in the bin, yeah. I think. Yeah, no, well. That'd be on our What the Fuck Were Warner Brothers Thinking series. <laughs> well, coming, I coming don't, in about three years. I, I don't think Man of Steel's that bad, but I've always said the score's the best thing about it. So... No, but I've got a feeling that DC, you
3: know, the Extended Universe might have fucking collapsed in on itself by then. And that it up, what the
1: fuck were they thinking? It depends. I mean, Wonder Woman would get a strong push anyway, regardless. Um, yeah. Cause it's a long time coming that film uh and then there's just a league and then i don't know what happened are they doing two Justice as league films yes oh, okay so we'll at least have like the and the
3: but you know if they get seven or eight films out they're all shit and then they went forget it and stop the universe i'm not going to be desperate <laughs> to buy all the blu-rays so no review it to be honest that's the reason man of steel isn't in this though because if we get to do that series it starts with Man of Steel.
1: Yeah. So, um yeah, so but essentially I think it looks great. It has a really nice atmosphere. You have the the, 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 you know, the credits just shooting straight back at you. And it's just it's just a a lovely sort of like journey to space and it just feels very very sci fi, it feels very involving, it feels like it it almost like even today, watch it on the telly it was, like I, mean, I don't know what it would be like watching it on, on the big screen, but it must must have, like, just taking it back, like, oh, fucking hell. You know, like, it looks no. like, a, and like anything
2: you've seen before.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's all... It's all I mean, I,
3: I... But it's not quite the same assault on the senses as when you get to something like Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, which try to ape this to some degree, but it's really kind of screaming and in your face. Mm. This has got kind of an elegance to it. And, and the other thing is... I like the idea, and this will be a point of comparison I'll I'll draw with Man of Steel (laughs) is Krypton is a very very long way away and it takes him a long long time to get here whereas in Man of Steel he seems to go through a wormhole and then he's just round the corner Yeah
2: it's all of a sudden Um, it's very magic isn't it There's
3: something about the distance he's had to travel to us that I think just gives this a real epic feel to it Uh, Yeah, So we, we, we are effectively, the credits are us flying to Krypton. Krypton. Krypton.
1: Yeah, Krypton.
3: As, uh, as uh, Marlon Brando pronounces it.
1: Yeah. Krypton. <laughs> and, uh, and, and again, John Williams, when we get to Krypton, we hit with another like great theme. Uh, but, yeah. I, I love the Krypton theme. It's a very theme. kind
2: of sweeping score, isn't it, I think?
3: Well, the Krypton theme is, uh, uh, again, Charlie's listening to this shouting at his fucking phone because like we're calling them all <laughs> by yellow. the way. It's not called that! Um, <laughs> but they used that on the teaser for Superman Returns. Yeah, and it's still possibly the best teaser trailer I've ever seen.
1: I think matched with Despite also with um. Oh, oh okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, <laughs> Beck just called me mum rubbish, and I was like, "Oh, no. <gasps> um, <laughs> I, I we'll think get there. We'll get there. I think it's matched with Marlon Brando's voiceover as well. You know, it's like, um, I mean, with, with well, what the start to
3: this episode just, is Marlon Brando's voice. Yeah. And, I edited that together, and it gave me goosebumps.
1: It is. It's so like, you know, and I think when you have that with the Man of Steel, it's like, yes, come on, it's like back to traditional, back to like the old memories and how it's how it feels. Superman returns to me. Yeah, Superman returns, and it sort of gives you that feeling of what generally Superman film should make you feel like. It should make, should like, must be give you more of a rousing feeling, you know, like of like of positivity and hope and kind of like. And the, the human spirit, you know, and courage, you know. So, yeah, it, it is very, very um, sort of, you know, goosebumps, you know. Um, so, and then we then we are introduced spot to um, a court hearing with Zod and his mates. Zod and his mates. That's so. Zod, their, that's their gang, that's Zod their gang and extent, his mates. You know. Zod, Zod and Co. <laughs> it was written on the back of
3: their jackets. Don, Dono made him take them off. They've gone for this sort of crystal theme, which we get right the way through ice stroke crystal theme, feel, Mm. that we get right the way through Superman Returns. It it wasn't what they were originally building. It was originally going to be like the comic book Krypton, which was much more sort of greens and purples. Uh, It was Donner when he came on board who just envisaged it this way. And I think it's all the better for it. There's an austerity about this society. And Mankiewicz, for everything I said about him Bond, has gone for this very formal um, language structure. And it's deliberate. He it, it, it deliberately writes the three portions of this film. It's the, one of the things that makes the film genius, that it's got three distinct different tones. And the first one is a fairly austere, intellectual, slightly British, slightly clipped, distant society.
2: We do have a lot of um, classic British actors playing sort of the the, the elders, do not you? I mean, Trevor Howard is one of them. I've seen him for Brief Encounter, and that's and yeah. all sort of classic
3: British movies. Encounter, that film where he's famous for not having sex with that woman. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's all very British, and I love you and all the rest of it. You know, it's all kind of very clipped and, and very English. Um, but um,
1: is he one of the and, and then guilty? Then there's, just,
2: <laughs> you're guilty. Um, and there's a no, couple he's of not. Others as well, he's, which I'll well, mention in my fun facts at the end.
3: That the decision of the council is that you know. It, we've looked into your claims about the the planet and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. That's Trevor Howard. Uh, That's what. I meant. Yeah, sorry. There are other names there, and I forget who they are now. His wife is obviously Lara, uh, played by Susanna York.
2: Susanna York, yes.
3: Only died a couple of years ago. Um,
2: Those are sort but, of like you know classic British X names, and I've got some more of my fun facts at the end. so
3: <laughs> So yeah. Perhaps we should put that out, take the video game approach, put it out as DLC.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) If you you pay a bit extra, she'll name the whole cast. (laughs) Pay us $5. $5? And they they went for this material that when you light it a certain way, glows.
2: It looks really pretty. It's wonderful. Really vibrant.
1: Yeah, it just—it looks very strange. I do wonder, like, where do these people live. Like, where do they walk? Where do what do they do? It just like seems to be, like <laughs>
2: they skate around.
1: Seems to be like a bunch of like... probably just puts the tip in. <laughs> but um, well, yeah, so it's, it's
2: very kind of like space, space age, and very ethereal. It's all kind of like they, they float along almost.
1: Yeah, you've got this like it's kind of like real or oh, magical feel, haven't you? About about it all, and you've got like. Uh, Very striking in terms of image. Um,
3: I'm I'm not going to talk about the cinematographer, and I'm not even going to name him, until we get to the Clark and Lois scene later. But there is a glow. There's something about the lighting of this film. It's it's magical. It phenomenally well. We'll come on to that a bit um, later.
1: And do you not think Terrence Stamp looks... I mean, it's probably deliberate, because he looks almost like very, very rough, like pale and red behind the eyes. He almost looks like... He actually looks like he's crying. He does. He really does. Yeah. I always thought he just looked ill and I think it was like kind of like this mad illness of like you know he's just like raging and kind of
2: he's so angry he's driven crazy by it yeah
1: him. it's yeah um... I don't
2: know if it's because of all the white light that's reflecting off you know yeah. well
1: he's very pale
0: yeah
2: he is, he's quite pale
3: yeah you've got the you'll, you'll see a terrible almost parody of this in Superman 4 where they all say guilty
0: guilty
3: they, they do something very similar in the Fortress of Solitude in 4 but it doesn't work at all <laughs> um but I just love the the language structure and Chris, you're not the biggest Marlon Brando fan, are you? Here, but but if you draw the distance from this to Don Vito,
1: um, very
3: very commanding and very different.
1: No, I'm not um, a huge Marlon Brando fan. Um, however, that's not to say I don't appreciate him. But and I will say, he is perfect casting almost. You know, um, it. I, I I just find him too egotistical for for what his talent actually is. Um, but I can't fault him as a casting choice. Um can't can't really sort of justify his price tag. But um He asked Richard Donner if he could play it as a bagel. <laughs> what was the,
0: suitcase
2: or the money su- was the one, a green it? suitcase.
3: Green
1: suitcase, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. is that a bagel with stuff. sesame seeds on or like a plain one or was, I don't did it know. have currents? <laughs>
3: We won't. Be, he's not here for us to ask him <laughs> oh, what no, he thought, felt the emotional truth no. <laughs> was, know, he um he he also had his lines written. I mean, one of some of his lines, which his lines, were just placed around the set. He refused to memorize any of them. And at one point, when he's talking to Ursa, he's he's reading them off her forehead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're on like a post-it on her head or something.
2: So he's holding an idiot board. It's that it's
1: kind of shit where it makes me go, oh you know. But like I mean like if I if I was honestly a filmmaker and in Marlon Brando was around today and someone suggested like, hey, Marlon Fallout's available do you, wanna, do you wanna see if like fuck no, I can't be asked dealing with that shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, you oh, know it's like there you know, are actors who can probably do do what I need just as just as good. Um, but <laughs> like I, I must admit he is I mean he does A he looks apart, he has the correct demeanour, he has that authoritative um stature about him. But also, we're not with a sense of with a sense of compassion as well, which is like I suppose what you know. I say it, by I'm a gritty, teeth. You know, it is a great performance, and he actually looks like you, you know. You 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 tell him that's uh, Christopher Reeve's dad. You will, yeah, I buy that. Do, do, yeah, do you I believe in I mean, The shape what, of the nose. And yeah. Like that, yeah, it
2: is. Yeah, it is definitely. I think it's it's a really. I mean. He, he gets a lot of stick for, definitely for being sort of a diva and demanding so much money and, you know, controversial career. But yeah, I definitely sort of believe him in this role. Um, and what really kind of struck me was a scene where, you know, they're saying, okay, we, we need to, we need to send our son away to, you know, to be protected or we'll send him to earth. And his mom is kind of like, oh, he'll be alone. He'll be an alien. And, but it's. She's it's, focused it, on
3: the emotion. He's Yeah. She's the emotional on. side
2: of it, but she's also yeah. more on the negative side of it. But he's like, oh no, he'll be better than them. He'll be able to help them. And, and for him, it's all about the positives. Um, but for his memory, And it's he won't be about... dead.
3: No, <laughs> like, that's it,
2: exactly. And he'll survive, you know. Because
3: it's the first thing he said after, after Zod and so they get put into basically the Phantom Zone, which is that represented in the <laughs> film as like a mirror, basically. They're just kind of stuck in a mirror, best way to think of it. Um, <laughs> and it's floating through space. But even he says well, they've at least got a shot, at, you know, they, they at least got life.
1: Yeah, they, they, they do, uh, they've got a future. So, you yeah. think maybe that was like part of maybe his decision to do that? Because you think, like, logically, odds like sort of tempted him to go, like, um. He's he, trying to tempt him. He's tempted, like, you it's know. Because it's down yeah. to you. You, know, you have the last vote, it has to be unanimous. Human- and, you know, you, so it's da- it's down to you. So And he kind of, like, just doesn't say anything. He just kind of, like, like sort of, like. <laughs> summons the thing and walks away I don't know
3: I don't think we'd ever know I just think he does his duty and his duty is to put them away yeah but I mean it could be a a touch of compassion I don't know it's really impossible to say Mario Puzo was worried about how long in his script it would take us to see Superman so we wanted Jor-El to be played by the same actor so this if Puzo had got his way this would have been Christopher Reeve
1: what with
3: grey hair interesting I don't know I really don't
1: but See, anyway. I, I I don't think, especially at the time, I, you know, that could have worked. I think Christopher Reeve would have done an all right job.
3: Yeah, I just think, like, I don't know. Say, say, uh, it was before mobile phones, but imagine, like, you had to go out to take a call or go to the loo or something happened, and you come back and then you Superman. You would genuinely think it's the
1: same guy, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I guess. yeah. know.
3: It's like, oh, how did that happen? All right, fair enough. But basically, Krypton is is Krypton. I keep saying it like Brando. It, <laughs> it's close to blowing up. Yeah. It, he says it will blow up within thirty days. There's obviously some time passes in this, and they send him to to Earth with a load of crystals that'll educate him on the way. The baby, the guy, the baby was play, played played. <laughs> you know what I mean? The baby was <laughs> a, a, a a
0: the young...
1: actor who played yeah, the baby. Actor who play the baby. baby. <laughs> yes. Yeah, was an yeah. actor from London who had a, a particular skill in... in playing babies. Playing babies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just immersed himself in a role. I am one with a baby. I am yes. a baby.
3: <laughs> okay, Do you want me to bring this mood right down? Go on, Go on then. He died in 1991. Aged about 14.
1: The curse of Superman strikes yeah. again.
3: Uh, inhaling butane gas or glue or something like that
1: it, it must have come from that capsule then from krypton that you must have sent well you just wonder what you wonder what the crystal peachy <laughs> yeah <is>. yeah
2: <laughs> also the krypton was too strong kryptonite was too strong
3: so yeah and and from there it takes seems to take about three or four years for him to get to earth
2: you kind of see during flashbacks don't you when he sort of returns to fortress of solitude he's saying this year we'll, we'll examine complex relationships and this year, which you'll learn about. Language.
3: Oh, that's, that's his twelve years at Space University.
2: No, that's it. Yeah, when he goes to Space sort of, university, there. But it tells well, you like how long <laughs> it takes for him to kind of learn, you know, in a sort of short space of time.
1: Yeah, Sing, that's how
2: he's able to, you know, elevate um, himself above humanity.
1: Which, which, well, I'm not quite sure. I mean, maybe it's like in a subconscious way because he's, I not think he's that engaged by it. He's not exactly there the whole time. going, hmm, That's interesting. Making, oh, that's <laughs> not
3: Make any notes, did you, Chris? <laughs> no. You <laughs> learned all of it by heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so, I mean the, the, the capsule is clearly nourishing him because what, what's food other than breaking down, broken down to make energy so you assume yeah yeah, yeah, so he's not so I, I
1: imagine was stinking there though at all that time
3: yeah, he's,
1: yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> he, he's probably not eating though it probably is direct literally direct energy, but he lands in Kansas and creates box. the I don't know how you cover that
1: up. Look at the fucking mess he made of that.
2: That's thing. a bit massive crater, isn't it? They're like, what? It's just,
1: so... it's just you know, just easily plough that shit over. It'll be fine. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what,
3: Jonathan just walks over and just moves his foot a bit? Like, there you are. <laughs>
1: There's a shovel gone, it'll be but fine. But I always liked how um, time-effective it's structured because, it, it you know, it, it does rattle along. You know, it's got a lot to get through. It, you know, it, it goes through, like, the whole Superman um, story from beginning up to the point where he is Superman. And it, it rattles along. It's you know, and and it feels right. You know, you sort of, you, you, you you buy the kent. You, you, you get sold the story. The first question is are: We got to find out where 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 we got to take this if kid. You, if you've
3: got Marlon Brando as his as his natural yeah. father, you've got to have a pretty heavyweight actor as his sort of adopted earth father. And Glenn Ford's a really great choice. And it's only watching it tonight. I mean, I knew this, but it, I really thought about it. How little screen time he's got. He's only really got a couple of yeah, it's scenes. Yeah,
1: not much considering mm. some, you know yeah, like a, of his stature and much, his, his career. Structure. Well, that's what I mean. It's well, like yeah, no. it's really, really like good at it, think... good at its structure. Yeah, it's efficient with it. Um, mm. And which is almost like a shame because I would happily watch uh, a young Superman growing up with a Kent film. I would, yeah. you know, and and you know, and, and, and as much as like you know superman flying around and doing all that stuff um is what people want to see i think my favorite bit is is superman at home i you know i think um i mean it's really short though you
3: don't get it you don't get much of it it's really short
1: and 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 i don't know how what you guys feel because you know how the typical argument is like well um clark kent's really the you know the disguise um and super and him as Superman is actually really him. But
3: Clark Kent in Metropolis and Clark Kent in Smallville are two different characters. Yeah. The, one is, well, yeah. the one in Smallville is Kal-El carrying the name I, Clark.
1: Kent. E- e- exactly, and I I dis- I agree with you, Dave. I think um, only Sir Clark or Kal yeah, as his actual name is, can only be really be himself when he's at home with his family, with his mom. Yeah, exactly. Or 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 dad, depending on which. Which one you look at? I don't. Know, I don't know. Is he? Is his dad um, dead in the comics, or as well, or is it? Um...
3: I think. Well, I mean, you'd have to ask somebody like Robert Turnbull or something like that who's a big expert on the comics. But I think in most, I think in most continuities, Jonathan Kent is dead.
1: Yeah. Okay. Because I'm not sure if it's because, like, in in terms of the movie world, or like whether whether it's like she has his dad. His dad is alive in in the comics, or whether he was originally. in uh, the point. I mean, the Lois
3: and Clark TV series, he was alive.
1: Yeah. That's a bit uh, more happy, jaunty kind of affair, wasn't
3: it? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. But, I, I you know, the, when something runs for, like, nearly 80 years, I can imagine they've cut it all different ways.
1: Mm.
3: But I think in versions I've known, he's dead. But how he dies and when he dies exactly can vary. Yeah, Here like they saving his dog. Straightforward <laughs> straight heart attack, but it's absolutely terrific because it is that impotence to do anything about it. He doesn't know the full extent of his powers yet anyway.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, we have kind of like jumped ahead with us. There's a bit with Lana and the, you know, it, him dicking around with like... And
3: again, the language has changed. It's lots of G's and gollies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I had a hard time with that.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's it's gone from the formal British structure. Later on, we're going to get, you know, the sort of streetwise city speak of its era, relatively speaking. Yeah. And yeah, this is, this is small town Americana.
0: Yeah,
2: but it's more kind of like when, sort of, you see him. Um, you know, he goes, oh, it later on when he's Clark Kent, you kind of see him. He thinks, uses the word like swell, and there's like a lot of people would be, wouldn't be comfortable with using that word, you know. And there's kind of very much kind of sort of like small town, sort of fifties, forties, fifties kind of language that he uses, and even the way he dresses as well as Clark Kent, which is very different.
1: Well, again, the whole to, the whole aesthetic of New York, you know, how people are dressed is kind of very much throwaway to the forties and fifties, you know, with the yeah. you know, and I think that's kind of almost like deliberate back to like the original comics. Uh, oh,
2: definitely, of course, yeah. It's a different kind of uh, together hat. I, th-
1: I think what it's there. Too. I think it's also there in the Burton Batman films as well. There's that old kind of old school kind of sort of feel and aesthetics for everyone. Um, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Uh, Whoever's like wearing like long coats. It and is stuff a bit hats. more
3: 70s though. Well, I say we'll come to it when we get to the Metropolis bit in a minute because yeah. I I actually had like a moment of clarity tonight about what a certain character was wearing. We'll mm-hmm. get to. it. Um, but yeah, this section's Pink. great, and, and I wish we'd had... Think Yes. No. I wonder, if she wrote, I, 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 wrote, I wonder if she wrote that in the article.
1: <laughs> yeah. I fl- I flirted outrageously with him. Like... He correctly
3: identified my knickers once I got out from behind the bush. Yeah. <laughs> um...
1: Also, revealing all your strengths and weaknesses is such a touch of wise as well. But anyway, yeah, I was like, mm, I was, really? I was, but it's got you
3: know, had any competition, to be honest with you. Well, because yeah, plots, because plots. Last son of Krypton. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. But um, I think I think it's more what colour are my panties? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, if she wrote the article in the Q and A format, <laughs> like you see so... in magazines sometimes. What colour are my panties? That's like, <laughs> it's not quite how much as a pint of milk, is it?
1: And and how big are you? But, I mean... <laughs> that would be a hard well, clearly she,
2: she's like so star starstruck and obviously, you know, hearts will flutter and she's like, how oh, big are you? I mean, how tall are you, you know?
1: Yeah. That's not quite what you mean. Like, and uh, do you function like uh, you know? I never, I never, I never <laughs> your words. bodily function.
3: What colour are my panties? How big are you? Do you fuck well? <laughs> Those are
0: basically. Yeah, the he, three
1: questions. just so tongue-tied and, you know.
3: yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's go back to Smallville. Briefly. Yes.
1: <laughs> um. But yeah, I I really like how efficiently that it tells because it establishes like the cancers like oh you know we you know like like the the, again, the mother being the emotional one being like oh can we keep him it's like no we can't because like look him we need to we need to take him and then all of a sudden realizing when he lifts the car up thinking um people i don't know it's, it might be in his best interest if we kind of keep this quiet as well so i think that mm-hmm. that that alone just that kind of simple sort of structured scene tells you everything you need to know within those characters and i think it, it works really well even that he's got a dodgy heart uh, yeah as well. I picked that up as well in two scenes. Dodgy heart, set up, bum, pick picks up later on. Um yeah. and... now the
3: extended version when he's when he uh we when he runs home basically after yeah. he's gotta stay behind to clear up and kicks the football into space.
1: And I love that um, bit as well. I love that I kind of that. That again was, they try and
3: scene. copy it in a later film but it's a cheaper effect and yeah, not good. The only
2: thing I would say is a little bit cheesy is when he's running alongside the train. I just that bit always makes me laugh a bit. That's the the effect
3: though. But no, um, exactly.
2: That's it. But otherwise, I think it's very well done. In um, the
3: extended version, which is only about eight minutes longer, you actually see a young Lois Lane on the train on the train with her parents, and her parents are Kirk Allen and and um, I was about to say Phyllis Thaxter. Phyllis Thaxter plays his adoptive mum in this, Martha. Um, but I'm blanking on the name. But the 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 George Reeves and actually Kirk Allen ah. Lois Lane. She's in Superman Returns as the aged lover of um, Lex at the start of the film when she's dying Ah. Um, and she basically says she can see a man running alongside she's told off for lying doesn't quite work because he's 18 and she's about 8 and quite clearly that's not the age gap but that was a little cameo for the original Kirk Kirk Allen was the serial Superman from the 40s
1: yeah yes I think I was just to highlight sort of like sort of the level of, like, of a curiosity is like to become a journalist kind of thing, like a you know, like a false kind of swing kind of thing. One day I'll is ask it... that guy what colour my pants <laughs> <Yeah>. are. <laughs> yes, think. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, I mean, I, I do I do like that scene because it just shows that frustration of like of here's Clark. He wants to have a normal life, um, but you know he, he 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 can't he can't be like one of the popular guys, even though he he knows he can like run ring, ring rings around them. But he yeah. has to suppress that. That kind of frustration. So it's I I, I do like that setup. That kind of tells you what you need to know. And then of course he kind of like tries to show off. Yeah, there's a tension kind of, through the
3: rest of the film yeah. about how much he should show off himself.
1: Mm. And uh, yeah, and it, again it just pays off again like brilliantly at the end when he sort of gets comes like kind of gets it told off by his dad, and then he has a heart. But nicely, yeah, yeah, least, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: You are here for a reason. Then there's an element of blame, because he he forces his dad into a foot race. It's only up the hill a little bit, but that probably didn't help. And he says, all my powers, everything I can do, and I couldn't save him.
1: And I think that's lovely. That's, that is... I know it's not lovely, lovely, but... <laughs> no, it is lovely. But <laughs> it's, it's... beautifully written. It's... I think it perfectly examines... It's, it's really... I mean, this kind of echoes to what my, one of my main issues with the ending. Um, but... It's a key lesson for him. It's like, you know, some, some things you cannot save, some things you cannot stop. There's some things in life where you have to just accept. And, you know, and we yeah, with all your powers. We do, you get,
3: we do get that followed up in a future scene with Brando that's only in the extended cut. Yeah. But also the Donner cut of Superman 2 addresses this whole issue of selfishness. But it's, it's all lovely. You can just see that had this all worked out the way it was meant to, you'd have had two very cohesive films in terms of the, its themes. Yes. Um, but he's called by one of the crystals. They, they kept the craft he landed in under like a blanket in the barn, effectively, which makes sense to hide it um, from prying eyes. And he gets effectively called to it, doesn't he? mm
1: He kind of just wakes up in the middle of the night thinking like some sort of radio signal and he just sort of like sort of just kind of follows it really.
3: It's calling him to go north.
2: He must go north. Not go west, but go north.
3: Yeah, comes over the Go West album. I think I've got this wrong somewhere.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, life is peaceful there. Mm. (laughs)
2: I don't know, it's not related to anything. I just thought I'd Life, in the, Life in the open air. Life in the open air.
3: Now, what I love is he says goodbye to his mother mm. and goes north, and she doesn't hear from him for 12 years. Mm. That's not nice, is not it? Not very good at
2: go getting in touch, is he? No. Oh, well, you
1: know, he's got to go to Space Academy. he uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> got to go to university. Album. I
1: thought you meant Dance Academy. Shit. Dance
3: Academy? <laughs> no. So this this thing builds the Fortress of Solitude yes. and reveals to him in. the consciousness of Jorel. And Jorel explains to him who he is, what he can do, and teaches him all about the world, the universe, everything.
1: And uh, yeah, it's all done very sort of psychedelically as well. I don't like, you know, it's sort of all through Marlon Brando's kind of sort of visuals and going into space and... All yeah, I mean, I've, I'd always
3: taken it that it kind of breaks the rules of space time and is one long monologue, but I, I would imagine actually, if there was a reality to this, he just spent twelve years up there learning stuff. It probably wasn't all one yeah. session like that, but um, effectively, he's got twelve years of learning. So when we're returned to him,
1: he's in the outfit and he's now
3: thirty for character. Can I ask a question? <laughs>
1: And I'm not sure what it is. you know when Carlisle's like uh, face turns like to like glass or ice. Yes. What's that about? Cause no i idea. never got that.
3: No idea. I just weird. I just think it's a way to transition because they go through the eye hole. Yeah. To see. I just think it's a transition. Really, yeah. I do.
1: But it's the uh, the son comes the father, the father comes the son. Can kind of it's life. not like
3: you later see Kent in his flat and he's got that on the mantelpiece. Like, yeah.
1: I would be there. Well, he's basically a BAFTA, isn't it? He's <laughs> just one a BAFTA. <laughs> That's a bit pre- that's a bit presumptuous when really he finished making the film. Yeah,
3: that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. They, they, Brando assumed he was going to win a BAFTA.
1: And, yeah, and there he is, Superman. He flies across the screen and then we cut straight to Metropolis,
3: uh, which is obviously doubled by New York in this. Yeah, it's
1: very New York. I mean, you can
2: it, see it is, it, yeah, quite obviously New York, isn't
3: it? Uh, they're not hiding it. That's absolutely fine. Like, it, no. they it's not like they could CG a city. No, uh, um, well, that's
2: what it's meant I'm, to be, isn't it? Yeah. In a bit name.
1: Yeah. Though, I'm, cut... I'm not sure what um, Gotham's meant to be though for the
2: Gothic New York, I don't know.
3: I don't know, but anyway. Yeah. Well, actually, New York used to be known as, as sort of Gotham as a nickname, didn't it? Nice mm-hmm. um, uh, church. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the the Batman Begins and certainly the Dark Knight were largely based on Chicago.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But um, I guess we'll come to that some other time. But we cut inside the Daily Planet, and I really love this newsroom. I just love the look and feel of it.
1: Is
2: that the busiest newsroom ever?
1: Yeah, it's always what I think when I hear like a uh, newsroom, like news, like sort of a new- newspaper's office, just like just a lot of people just like banging on time, on time writers, time right. like running around, <laughs> with, like of people banging away. <laughs> 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 you know, running around like paper flying all, all- everywhere. You know, like that like, everyone's like yeah, running the around
2: movie um, newsroom, pretty much.
3: Yeah. yeah, of course. Around it's not we're not long past all the presidents' men and stuff like that. So although this is very different in tone, it feels very seventies. Yeah, seen films with these seventies news and the
2: fashion
3: as well. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll come on to that now. Lois is writing an article with the word massacre, bloodletting, and rapist in it. None of <laughs> which she can't she spell. spell. Either of them. Yeah, uh,
0: sorry, made,
3: yeah, uh, rapist. She
0: actually <laughs> spelt <laughs> it,
3: and at the same time, Kent is in Perry White's office. So it's his, his first day, his, day on the job It's his first day And uh, the first choice for Perry White well, It was actually going to be uh, Keenan Wynn But he had a heart attack flying to London to actually make it And they actually spoke to Jason Robards This could oh. have been Jason Robards He turned it down
0: oh.
3: And when he was told, well, Hackman and Brando were doing it He said, well, that's their problem
0: <laughs> he, he
3: thought it was a dreadful idea But yeah, it could have he been. Did. it could have been Jason Robards Who did play a very similar role in All the President's Men Yes. so Jackie Cooper was a bit of an 11th hour he got called by Donna and he said uh, as this conversation goes if you don't have a passport forget it he said but and when Cooper found it it was like great now get on a plane
2: Yeah, get, that, get now,
3: so yeah and I actually think he's brilliant
2: he's fantastic isn't he it? it's quite an iconic role um,
3: mm.
2: and it, so when you think of what you tend to think oh, Jackie Cooper don't you I think well I, I do personally I do
3: yeah I like the fact that it pretty much, our first introduction to Clark is basically a premature ejaculation joke. (laughs) (laughs) That's what that is, isn't it?
2: Uh, On the nose, yeah.
3: (laughs) It is. Oh, this has never happened to me before. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's trying to open a bottle. And again, what I love is he's really struggling. It's not real, obviously, because he's Superman. He can open it. If yeah, he
2: wants. he's trying to sort of fake it. But I, I just
3: love the faking of it. it's brilliant. She just bashes <laughs> it on the table absentmindedly, yeah. and he opens it. He opens it and absolutely it sprays everyone.
1: all over his trousers, and he looks really embarrassed. It's just oh, yeah. like, well, sure, yeah, you yeah,
2: know, making a complete stranger look like an idiot, you know.
1: Which which I think always kind of lands a little bit kind of like awkwardly, as if to sort of go, all right, just had to dig it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, cheers. It's almost like passive aggressive isn't it? It's like, oh Yeah. <laughs> but... yeah. It, w- it would be taken <laughs> that way
3: now probably with the way, you know, people talk to each other. But it's um yeah, uh, you just immediately know he's gonna play Kark differently, which is great.
1: Yeah,
2: it you have got a real sort of dichotomy there, haven't you? I mean well as I've seen obviously we'll come to it later on, but yeah, it's it's so completely different to what we've seen so far.
1: So I just think what's great about Crystal Reaver's not doing how he can just convincingly sort of like just play like you know Clark as this like kind of bumbling fool. Um, he's,
2: he's quite nerdy, isn't he? Kind of well, just ner- nerdy sort of voice.
1: Well, it's uh, deliberate. Yeah, he's like so he goes, he goes a bit hot. more nasal as well. He goes like, mm, well, "Oh, uh, you know, yeah," and he's and he he's stoops a bit. Yeah, he's, he's he lost. does. Yeah, his posture is like you know is is unconfident. He's like bumbling. He's you know so it 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 solves that problem. And with he yeah, how can you how how can you not tell the guy Superman? Well, you know, I think he kind of sells it in his performance. He hides it's... it so well. well yeah. it
3: bothers me when you get to something like Henry Cavill, and it is just stick on a pair of glasses. Yeah, which I think yeah. for the vast majority of its history, that's what it's been. But there's something about Christopher Reeve's take on this that redefined it really.
2: Yeah, you can say they, they have
3: to be very, a bit more different, and they're, they're different enough. Because the other thing I, I, I remember some writer for Superman saying, because like, well, why wouldn't they work it out when it's just a pair of glasses? And it said, well, that's assuming super people would think Superman had an alter ego in the first place.
2: Yeah, and plus his hair is parted in different different ways. Between
1: the two roles, so. <laughs> <laughs> get a haircut, get a party put in, and then no one recognises you. <laughs> I'll just comb my hair to the side a bit; and they'll recognise
0: <laughs> Nobody will know who you are. Who the fuck are you?
3: <laughs> yeah, I think that the, the whole dual identity thing is, and that was a really good point, well, why would you assume he'd have a dual identity? Good point. Um, so you wouldn't necessarily be looking for it, but his, his posture, his movement, everything is really different.
1: I think it's, I think I think it's just like you know a, a lovely little sort of like oh how how do you recognise it make it, oh okay that kind of makes sense you know somewhat you know even though he's like clearly Superman he's like tall and muscular <laughs> and all the rest of it but it, it's just that extra little attention to detail makes you sort of like go okay well you know he's he, he, he's playing it well so people like think oh, what that guy that idiot Superman you know get rid of get rid of <laughs> no yeah. no making
3: a start is quite difficult as well. Because it's not ridiculously over the top. It's Yeah, quite
1: it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's not the it's uh...
3: just a, just very slight. It's um, it's really good. The thing I I remember listening to an episode of Hollywood Babylon a few years ago where they they got this bit called um shit that should not be, and they'll show a clip from a film. That, like how did that make that in the final cut? <laughs> uh, but the thing is, it's a podcast, so you never see it. But I thought, I'll look it up tonight. What was it when it was Superman the movie? Yeah. Watch what he does here. No wonder she looks at him. Uh, Christopher Reeve accidentally grabs <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he did a Donald Trump.
0: Well, he was walking <laughs> by and
3: he did have his arm out and, and it just wrapped around her the wrong way. I do think it was totally snap. accidental. It on purpose. He's but she, she, there's a beat where she looks at him and then carries on. <laughs> I, I'm it's very amazed. well not to
2: break out into She
3: does really well. And then they go outside and get held up by a mugger.
1: Yeah, a, a very smartly dressed mugger as well. <laughs> yeah, a very nice tween suit. <laughs> yes. Um very successful mugger. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think this is kind of like just goes show like how like um Lois just likes to get herself in trouble. shit. Uh,
3: yeah, she just she, she just drops her bag and kicks it kicks him in the face.
1: Yeah, and like and, and if Clark not wasn't there, if like Superman wouldn't actually been there, she'd be dead. Quite quite frankly. Uh, she she would, much.
3: because the bullet was going right at her head.
1: And well, I mean, to be fair if Though to be in, in his face, I'm not too sure because she was rich she could just gonna like walk off anyway in the in the open public. So that's just gonna like um so there's only like They may actually... not have gone that way. Yeah you
3: can't say that. But having got themselves into that situation he did save her life.
1: Yeah. So uh which is which is also a little sort which of was nice. Yeah, which is nice. That's a nice thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Stops you getting shot. I nice. love the fact he fakes fainting. Yeah. I, that
2: I fainted. Oh. Uh yeah.
1: And this is not of. So, it, it does give it like a nice sort of wink to the, you know, to the, almost like to the camera when he sort of like, you know, looks at a bullet and goes. <laughs> yeah. um, so, yeah, and what happens next? Uh, well, do we go straight to the helicopter Lex. scene? No, it's Lex, isn't it? Get it's we get introduction to Lex. Oh,
3: he's being tailed by FBI police or something well, like that. Well, Medbaiting. Yeah, he's nice anyway. kind of to don't we?
1: Can I follow or him around Otis town?
2: And he's ta- been. Uh, he's a
3: known associate. Tailed
2: yeah. by, yeah. Uh, yeah. So about cops.
0: Uh, uh, it turns da, out he's living da, 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 da,
1: da, da. Um Yeah. So what do we take? Of, what, what, what do we think of this uh, take on Lex? Because typically he's like a, a rich, successful business guy who's doing shady, shady shit. Yeah. I mean, I,
3: he has been characterized as a politician in the past. There was a version where he was president. Imagine that. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> some sociopathic businessman as president. Um, that never happened, no. <laughs> and uh, there have been takes where he's been a scientist. He's always a genius.
1: Yeah, he started off as a scientist, didn't he? And then he, he just, I like, think bold. so, yeah. yeah. If you read he's something wearing, like, like Scream Red Scream Sun, which up, is an he? world,
3: well, he's, he's a scientist. He, you know, cures this, that, and the other. The, yeah, very, 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 very intelligent guy. Um, he's frequently characterised as having been red-headed and then lost his hair. So... Uh, there's no real crossover in the way they look. I dare think if this wasn't Gene Hackman, we'd be harder on it. I think because it's Gene Hackman, we we kind of go along with it and find it fun. But if you just think for a minute, he surrounds himself with fucking Im- by f- with fucking imbeciles. He wears balding wigs, which are which is bizarre.
1: Um, I do think there's a reason for that. I mean, I think the reason is uh, Gene Hackman didn't want to shave his hair. That's uh, exactly- but, yeah, I, but, but I think as well, did it? it does play into, play into it well because uh, when I think of Lex, I think of like well, apart from like his superior intellect, should we say, um, mm. he's vain, so I go okay, and he's he'd old. wear wigs, yeah, all right. and, okay, it's all right. I love and, the design of it. Yeah, and also he would, because he's very egotistical. So I I generally would think he would probably would surround himself by more ones so he can t- go around talking how great he is. You know, so it's not like too much of a stretch to me that he would transform yeah, okay. up by. It. And given that he's in, the I mean, like- it's the first
3: Lex Luthor I've ever known. It was only yeah. de- decades later. I know, I yeah. Was like that's not really the version. I love Gene Hackman. I love the design of. I love the set design. The sets were designed by a guy, funnily enough, called John Barry. Um, John Barry, not the John Barry. He was about forty-two-ish while they were making this. Died of meningitis only a year or two later. Uh, but he designed the sets for this, and I think it's it's one of the best sets in the film. Uh, Luther's lair, I love it.
2: It's incredible, isn't it? I just think it looks fantastic.
3: Oh, I want to live somewhere like that. And the scale of
2: it, it as well—it's so Great. huge.
3: Yeah. Uh, the diamonds are forever trick of writing your plan on the on the floor, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of like it. I've got a love-hate relationship. Otis does kind of stand out as a bit odd, and what yeah. about um, Mr. Spockart? we saw her in Diamonds Are Forever as one of Shady Tree's acorns.
2: We did, Mr. Spickup.
3: Um Basically, they've hired a big pair of tits <laughs> because that's the first thing you think of when you, or I think of when I think of this character, because her <laughs> rack is on display in every fucking shot she's in. Well,
2: that's something or, I've just I was... noticed actually watching this film this evening because she, she kind of, well, it's another, like she's obviously one of one of his um his cronies, but um she obviously towards the end she's responsible for kind of like saving superman i suppose as it is um but she usually her, she's wearing lots of makeup like heavily made up lots of jewelry really fancy outfits, um and she kind of becomes like more muted in terms of like your hair and makeup as the film goes on
3: so it kind of has, which is of the kind transformation. of a visual cue that she's changed well, exactly exactly it, yeah.
2: exactly but i think that's kind of because yeah. like when i've seen this film before i usually you know don't pay much i'm too busy looking at christopher reeve to be honest i, have. Um, I don't pay too much attention <laughs> to her um, <laughs> But <laughs> well, he's very handsome, I've got, you know. Um, but I just kind of noticed. That, I thought, oh, okay, yeah, so obviously a visual cue for how she undergoes a sort of epiphany—is the word I was looking for.
3: Okay, I'd never really thought about it, but you're absolutely right. Um,
2: it's, it's, it's very obvious in the way it's done, but I just, kind of, I just it took me all this time it's to notice if it. you're looking
3: for it, though, because don't forget one of her later scenes in the film is on the road where Larry Hagman comes along, and she is rack on display there because, well, yeah,
0: obviously plot, in a red dress.
3: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in general terms, you're actually right, and I've never really thought about it. I believe that
2: was I was like, is that Lara Heckman from Dallas? And it is. Yeah. Uncredi- you know, I'm credited, so. Yeah. One of
3: the
2: cameos I shall mention in my fun facts.
3: Okay, well, we can't wait for what that fact's going to be.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Including more cameos that you never knew in this
3: film. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, i I I've almost forgotten that scene, but that is where we meet Luther.
2: Um, it really annoys me. <laughs>
3: Mr. Luther. Mr. Luther. Like, Shut
2: up, No. Their
3: BT really wasn't
1: that old when he made this as well. It's quite funny. No, he's, he's
2: quite comic he's relief, and he's—you get good value with him, I think.
1: Yeah, can you imagine that small brain making enough power to? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, I, I actually like the way Lex comes off when he's dealing with them.
2: Yeah. he has some really um, great lines doesn't he, he just, yeah he really
1: brilliant. does <laughs> so, Yeah, so I was it. Like, like 200 is like uh, the thing we have common is number 32 it's your weight and my IQ <laughs> yeah that's classic line <laughs> oh, so but then we do
3: go on to the helicopter scene which is one of the yes. iconic bits of this film
1: yeah um,
3: I, I noticed tonight she was dressed as though she'd just become a yellow coat in Heidi High <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just <laughs> get off that era, it just didn't the era, doesn't
3: it? First time I never noticed that. It, it is literally the Heidi high. Yeah. it is, is. <laughs> <Morning>, camp <Yeah. laughs> For those of you not from this country, that's like an 80s sitcom. That wasn't that funny. Like tea time Saturday sort of job. That's quite um, classic though. But it was set in a it was set in the fifties, I think, in a in a holiday camp, which is a very British thing. We've got one called Butlins here where the entertainers are red coats and the yellow coats were kind of the, yeah. that sitcom's equivalent, but she's dressed for that. And they take off to go, I can't remember where, but she's gone to cover some story uh, off the roof of the Daily Planet or some building around there, and it just gets caught up in wires, the the helicopter. And this is just wonderful for its era, miniatures and models and so on. The models on this film were uh, done by Derek Medins. Yes,
2: yes, they were.
3: Uh, best known for the Bond films, uh, he is genuinely best known for the Bond films. His final film being Goldeneye Knight*. Yeah, really kind of good scene?
2: solid work again on this, isn't it? I think it's,
3: Oh, it's brilliant! It's just some brilliant. films you
2: can kind of tell. When, when if, they're kind of done by, by less skilled people, you can tell they're really obviously models. But this one, there's kind of it's for me, it's almost seamless. I think.
3: Mm. Well, even even the the bit part players, because there's a way when he does skip into the end of the scene where he saves Lois, one of the crowds say, "I can't believe it! He got her." And the yeah. way she said it is brilliant.
1: It's, it's, yeah, it's great. It's isn't a
3: it? bit part of line, but it's just delivered really I, well.
1: I, I don't know. That I always have a I always struggle with uh, in these sort of films where like the crowd's watching everything and they're like, oh my, and then, oh my god, they're cheering. And I'm like thinking, you've just seen a guy fly. Like, should you all be like? What the hell? Yeah, you should. The, the, yeah. If that was reality, it should cut to the ground and
3: they're all fucking robbing the shop.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like... and they immediately fucking riot. <laughs> the only thing. It's like everything's just been bloat. Like, like cut to like... the ground, and it isn't
3: like you know he got her. It's I just nicked a TV. <laughs>
0: but
1: um, you know, I, I mean, it, it does it does fall into like um, it, it's, it's so iconic now. It almost feels tropey to do now. But it, it it's handled so well. It feels you know it feels exactly really right. You know, when he when he when he when he grabs her and she's like you're like oh don't worry I've got you. It's like you got me. Who's got you? It, it, Which it, I love it, the way she delivers it. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you, you, you feel exactly how you're supposed to feel. You feel like kind of like yes, come on, Superman. You know you, you know so. You are there, but at the same time, I do always think, like, oh, I hate, I hate it when, like, we'll get, I suppose, well, we're going to do Spider Man at some point, I'm sure. But, yes. you know, the ending of that film, oh, my God, is the worst for that. And it's just, it always makes me cringe when, like, you have, like. Sorry, what are you getting at specifically? When, you, when the when the crowd is watching um, the events unfold and they just constantly. Oh, like it. you
3: West with one of us, you mess with all of us.
1: Well, not, no, n- not that one, but I suppose yeah, that that is similar. But it's the whole like thing when you got reported, that like, sort of like, oh my god, he's oh Spider Man three, he's he's he's, he's, yeah. he's he's hanging out, all, like you know, oh oh you know, it's just like we don't need it, we, you know, we don't you don't need it. It's just ah, oh, I hate it. But anyway, it's not so. It, I'm not I'm on something
3: that I'm not even... Yeah, loving. I think we will... We'll, 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 again, <laughs> well, that, would, that would that would have to go up to The Amazing Spider-Man 2, because, again, the new Spider-Man films would have to fall part of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, but, but... Yeah, cover it.
1: Yeah, but to pick this up... Um, yeah, generally, uh, this is great. I love the way... <laughs> it's
3: <laughs> just little nods, because he used to change in the telephone booth, so you yeah. get a bit where he looks at a telephone and just that moment of... Yeah, I really like it. I really yeah. do like this scene. For, for all its flaws, it's magic. And it leads straight smoothly onto. Not only does he save her, but it leads straight on like little montage you get with most superhero films now of when they first use their powers. You have to go and see them do five or six things. Yeah. Um, but I kind of like them.
1: Yeah, it's good. You got like a guy, you know, sort of trying to break into like a, a building, ambitiously, yeah.
3: <laughs> climbing up a wall. Which is yeah.
1: Great. <laughs> and uh... apparently, oh, I, I remember this from the commentary now.
3: The way they had to do that, the guy inside the building at his desk, who's going, nah, is like glued to the ceiling or a wall or something. <laughs> so so he's hanging like upside down. In the most nonchalant way ever. As well. It wouldn't would work, casting a fat bastard like me, or well, my flab would be up
1: around the top of my head. So he, that doesn't look right. <laughs> he looks so natural as well, doesn't he? Yeah. It's like,
3: <laughs> I, I think Dick Donner said on the, on the commentary that no, he's, he's actually upside down there. <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: that's like a bit weird. I
3: it doesn't, though. I don't, well, maybe it does, Becca. Maybe you noticed it but or, or noticed that something was off. I never did, though. No. And even after he told me, I went back and had another look, and I'm like, I can't see it.
1: Yeah, I I, I can't even think about it now. I can't think of like how it looks odd. It just looks seamless. Yeah. But, um, no, no yeah. fair enough. Um, yeah, the whole thing. his
3: hair's always sticking
1: up. Anyway, what I like about Reeve Superman is how he always acts like a gent. Um, I the at he hands and always talks to the police. Yeah,
3: I'll ridicule that a bit when we get to three because it's quite—it like, gets quite silly in the end. <laughs> but at this stage, it's really good, and I like the fact that he saves—he saves a kitten out of a tree. Uh, that gives it to the little girl. She goes inside and gets the shit kicked out of her. <laughs> <laughs> Different attitude to domestic violence in those days. Yeah, that, that made me scorn
2: a little you? bit. I was like, um, don't tell <laughs> lies. What? <laughs> oh,
1: yeah Superman, get your priorities straight. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I do like the idea that he actually did get like you know he's stopping to do shit like get a car out of a tree as well as stopping like bank thieves. I like yeah,
3: that. the small things do matter. Yeah. To him. And I'll, that's a very shortcut for what a decent guy. And I like that. And, and the police where he's like, he, he brings the uh, boat down the street and it's like, you know, let's just go and get leathered. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's part of the, the charm for me uh, about Superman is that it's the whole principle um, thing. It's, it's about getting, you know, getting the, the police, being the name of the police officer. It is saving the cat a tree. It's not just, oh, I'm just going to stop crime. It's being an example, you know. It's like it's helping the his... little
2: guys, and yeah, being example to society. And, that,
1: and that's why he's a, he's he's a gentleman as well because he's 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 setting an example to humanity. Like this is how he, how he could be, and I'm, I'm you know I can do this because I am Superman. I've got the gift, but I'm not just Essentially, simply. Essentially,
0: he is
3: basically
2: Jesus.
1: Pretty much, yeah That's what it's all about. Jesus isn't it? slash Moses. Yeah, um, I
3: think the original conception of, a, of it yeah, yeah, was, a of a was, biblical, was a Moses under... allegory, but when you look at when you listen to anything Donna says and Mankiewicz, it's Jesus. Yeah, it is Jesus.
1: It's Jesus with a a Moses esque uh, origin. So it starts off as like as Moses, and it kind of like well, it's Jesus.
3: But it is, you know, yeah. yeah. It, it's um. It, it was deliberate, you know. The, the even the dialogue they wrote. I send them you, my only son, and that sort
2: yeah, thing. Um, that, that's
3: sort of yeah, pretty That I mean, like
2: at, at, at the beginning, when you see the little boy and he's holding his arms out, it's almost sort pretty... of expose
3: ish You see a lot of that. I mean, it's there done it really. It's it's done in later. It's really done badly in uh, Man of Steel, actually. But um, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, it's kind of what,
2: what, you, you're kind of beaten in the face with.
3: <laughs> I, I do have problems as this film com- goes on. We ha- we're not getting to them yet. There's a few scenes to go. But the one compliment I'd pay this film just with Chris having mentioned the Spider-Man franchise. I've always kind of liked origin stories. I mean, when people are like, "Oh, we don't have to do an origin story," great. It's like, no, I quite like them. But if there's one thing that films tend to suffer for, it's the second half of them. Because you try to cram a full superhero film into, like, less than an hour of running time quite often because the first 40 minutes, half an hour, hour, whatever, has been the hero's journey. So the actual taking you know, taking over the world plot tends to be a little bit rushed. And I think that's certainly true of the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man film. They really sort of rushed the whole Green Goblin thing. Yeah. Not necessarily to its ruination, but it it, it is uh, something I've always noticed. Iron Man, I love Iron Man, but the whole fucking like fighting the Iron Monger bit is like crammed into the last bit as a bit of an af- I, You know, I just I'm not as fond of it. I think it still feels like we got a full film to go without it dragging. Here, yeah. So yeah, I, I think this is really great. I always thought that this sort of stuff was my last. Sort of bit of the film I loved, but I forgot that we get to Lois's interview next, don't
1: we? we yeah, we do because it's it's pretty much like sort of non. You have uh, Lois's interview um, and the flying stuff, and then and then you have like the big uh, set piece at the end, really, don't you? Um, but Lois's yeah.
3: interview, I like. Um, the first thing I want to say about it, though, it's clearly a set. Th- this film was shot by Jeffrey Unsworth. Jeffrey Unsworth shot 2001. He also shot Zardoz. But he shot he shot some other stuff as well. He's a very, very, very recognisable filmmaker, if, uh, cinematographer, if you know what you're looking for. He just does something with lighting, that it's got this dreamlike quality. And on Lois's balcony, there's these lights that have a glow coming off them. And it has this dreamlike quality. The only modern film that I've ever seen that approached that real, unique, almost untouchable look was Let the Right One In, which looks like it's filmed inside a snow globe or something. It's really special, the way this looks. And, uh, yeah, I just love it. I love that scene, and I love that feel. And Singer does a good version later on in terms of trying to not copy the look, but recreate that untouchable period feel to something.
1: I really like this. Hmm
2: it's probably one of my favorite scenes in the film <laughs> just because it is
1: um, you're a big just a big sapper, aren't you becca <laughs>
2: i'm just a big sucker for soppiness. um mm. <laughs> no i just think you know you sort of touched upon it earlier sort of the scene where obviously they, they've had the interview and they sort of go flying through the sky and everything um but i just think the way it's done like even now uh, for a film made like 1978 the visuals of it still it looks very convincing. It, it hasn't kind of aged that much. Of me, i totally watching this on Blu-ray. Um, the effects still hand, you know, still stand up today. Um, I think it's, it's very touching. He's, she's obviously very nervous, and she's very handsome, and so she, you know, doors up, wears the best dress, and everything. And, and she's her just best kind of
3: like pants
2: and the best pink pants. People, <laughs> like, you know, she's very like,
0: oh, you know. Wait, well, yeah,
1: colour of um, my panties. Well, there's a red bit. Oh, shit. <laughs> Quick, damn it! <laughs> well, he's clearly very smitten with her as well, isn't he? He's kind of very yeah. He's... This was, as
0: this much this as she's taken test. with him, she's, she's very first much taken with test, her. As well.
3: Where I said he was a beanpole in a sort of makeshift outfit was where he says good evening, Miss Lady and jumps down off the balcony. <laughs> that that was his first screen test. That was where Rankin, said, he and Donna looked at each other and were like, "That's the guy." He doesn't she's look quite right. They actually had David Prowse bulk him up, but yeah. Uh, I love this scene. Just on the a side note about David Prowse. David Prowse has to play the role. Can you imagine that Bristol accent? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: just, <laughs> no he he just really wants his big break, doesn't he? He's like he felt like he must have been like the guy who got shafted, like <laughs> <laughs> <What play>? Annie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. um, yeah, he,
3: he
0: spent some weeks
3: <laughs> training with him, um, and yeah, uh, this scene is is just great. Just uh, that I can see why they chose it as a screen test to see how the two would play off each other. Marco Kidder was uh, in the final two with Stockard Channing. They said Stockard Channing's take on it was a lot more direct and almost aggressive, but she was quite close to getting
1: it. It'd be pretty much Russo, really, wouldn't it? Was it Russo? Yeah. Oh, I don't know, I can't remember what the character's yeah. name. Yeah, her Greece, in Greece, yeah. Dennis Russo. Dennis Russo. Got a hickey from Keniki. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Very clever. Uh, oh, it is Russo.
2: Yeah.
1: but anyway. It is. He knows it. Is it? All right. Yeah. <laughs> I need you a cool, to cool, call, cool. Got some grease cool. No, it's now. Rizzo, you know so much? isn't it? It's Rizzo, not Rousseau. Oh, okay. Well, close enough. <laughs> is that the rat from uh, Muppets? I'm Is Sartre. That, that's Rizzo, isn't it? The uh, the rat from the uh, Muppets, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah from Muppets.
3: <laughs> I've probably got that wrong as well then. Anyway, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Musicals.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Christopher, he's got like a really sort of like coy, sort of like smile. And he sort of he holds his like his hands and uh, his mouth, isn't he? The two are basically sort he's of flirting. Like... And they're flirting. Yeah. What he's
3: doing is mouth. the equivalent like women touching their own hair and stuff. Yeah. And he is flirting. He's not but, touching his face and touching his mouth.
2: And... But he's
1: clearly enjoying watching her kind of like sort of be a little right. bit like. How, how big are you? Yeah, <laughs>
2: she doesn't mean to say that. She does. It just comes out wrong, you know.
1: That's what she said. she said, "Yeah, that's not quite." You know.
3: Do you have a first name? What you mean, like Ralph or something? Ralph. <laughs>
0: that's funny. Yeah.
3: Ah, oh, the same guy wrote all those shitty bond scripts.
2: <laughs> oh dear. Apparently, <laughs> his middle name is Joseph. So that tells you a lot.
1: Does it? What does it tell us?
0: <laughs> well, his middle name is Joseph. Alright, <laughs> thanks for clarifying
3: I wasn't sure when you first told us but you've made it clear now
2: No, it's quite funny sort of, when he goes I would be like Ralph or something Alright,
3: do we mean Christopher Reeve's middle name or Tom Mankiewicz or do we mean Superman? Is he called Super Joseph Man? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Apparently it's Superman Super, <laughs> Super. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know, Christopher, <laughs> <Michael. laughs> what my know what the name was.
3: They were going to fly. Oh, they when they did the flying scene that follows, they wanted Marco Kidder to sing this. Oh god!
1: And it's only a voice you, wasn't up ca- to it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine though? Like, can is, you? My, a mind. my mind. That's the one. I don't yeah. know what I supposed to. Oh, Whatever the lyrics are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the, the music is great because it. it, it it's lovely, but I mean, like, I do question: Do we even need the even the voiceover? Could, you... Well,
3: her voice wasn't up to it, so they had her effectively read it. Yeah.
1: Um,
3: I don't know. I do think it's quite a magical sequence. I'm still a bit of a sucker for it, though. I,
1: I guess that, that yes, we're getting I'm
3: this internal trying... monologue as she's trying to. Bear in mind, she's accidentally revealed. You know, she's talked about her pants to him and asked how big she is. Ears, rather, and she's—I um, think—almost trying to like recover from that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm not—I'm so, not—I'm not sure. I'd, the I'd, idea I'd,
3: that the idea that in her head she's absolutely gone gooey over this guy is actually quite good.
1: I'm not sure I'd buy his advice. Like, oh, you don't need really to swear. Well, I, I think you probably would. Probably <laughs> well, <he> would do. <laughs> Freeze, wouldn't you? Yeah. Do you think? Do you think Freeze, he's just hoping
3: uh... to see some nip? Probably. <laughs> 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 no, I've i done,
1: though see I'm see not see sure why he's got F- X-ray vision. So I'm not sure.
3: we never see his, do we? We no. <laughs> obviously get that cold.
1: <laughs> No, amazingly enough, we don't. But um, yeah, no, it's. I mean, it, it, I, I see what you mean, David. It, it is lovely, I think. But I think it, the voiceover is a little bit. Unless I think it would just work just as well had you just had the score and just you know had it be just a. It has to be shorter. Just go on a bit. It would it would have to be a but lot short. I think just seeing the two of them just like being together and the music would tell tell you more than enough. Um, yeah. For me, but yeah.
3: But, yeah, then he drops her. Yeah, he drops. Just...
2: Yeah, then nice he, one. he saves her, though, so...
3: But as he catches her, and they they sort of end up with her arms around his neck, and they're sort of embracing more like it's a slow dance, um, there's a sort of almost recall to that in Superman Returns. And I do I do quite like that shot, that they're a bit lost in each other. I like it. Yeah, it's nice, is not it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Although obviously there is some creative license because he gets her to put her arms out. Really, she should just be hanging down.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: He should be dragging her along like a fucking rag doll. There you go. Yeah. She would be, like, be like, hanging off by the finger, finger going, ah! And instead of her eternal monologue saying, you know, can you read my mind, it'd be fucking at me shoulder!
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, it can maybe read her mine, but only to a certain extent.
1: I mean, you imagine, like, I suppose, like, going at the speed they might be going at—that she's probably gliding along, like. but
3: Possibly, I don't know.
1: I don't know. That's yeah. Um, so yeah, and then uh, then we find out that it's actually like a yeah you know, a double date with Clark, <laughs> apparently.
3: Uh, oh, just he's yeah. going
1: to show you the time of your life. Go and have what, a burger. What
3: a wonderful piece of acting, though. That's
2: the, for me. That is the best scene. The best in the whole. Nice effect film. as
3: well because it, it, it's all done in. It appears to be done in camera. It's not. It's done with a plate. But you've got him going. It, it seems to be in one shot that she. But it's goes really not. Camera. No. Yeah. Um, and he yeah. Um, But he comes in and he decides he's going he, he, he he, to tell he,
0: her.
3: He and he starts to tell her.
1: He plays and then decides. Yeah. Well, he plays the idea of it, doesn't he? He's like, oh, I'm tempted. I'm tempted just to kind of like you know take that stuff. I, th- I think that, that there is something to that. Like. Um, one of my favourite parts in the, in the series, really, um, which we'll have to talk about next week. But there's element of it here where he is, where he's like his body changes. You know, you got that. Like, you know, when we talk about how like he plays Clark Kent differently than Superman, uh, and there's like two different sort of like it,
3: it's a fairly subtle transition. Yeah. it doesn't just immediately go right and straight <laughs> yes.
1: up. it's um, yeah, it it is like you know. I'm really. I mean, I mean, I was. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah it, and yeah he takes it out for a burger and then we get Lex reading the newspaper
3: the film goes to shit now comparatively. Does it? I think so I think to this point I think it's still possibly the best superhero film ever made I think it blows it in the last sort of 50 minutes or so
1: okay I'm not so, as keen on this stuff so like, so, um, so we get to Lex uh, and he's like sort of figuring out like well he's, he's got his plan you know he's established that he likes, you know you know, property. Uh, also mm. land. Land, land, land. It's all land, about the land. Yeah. And pe- people pay for the noise for it.
2: But it's bit it's not a smart
1: it's it's quite a smart idea, but you know, in in term you know, in terms of like villainous goals. You know, it's not like
3: Yeah
1: you know, it's it, Have a
3: nice radioactive bomb site.
1: Well, yes. I mean, yeah, really. well, we get a bit more pl- problematic with the Superman Returns of so that. Yeah, idea. who'd want to live there? <laughs> <Yeah>. But anyway. <laughs> but it's kind of like things so like you've not really thought that's through, have you, really, Lex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have loved it if in Superman
3: Returns he just put up a Wendy ads and gone, there we are,
1: property. I've, I've got alien technology. Yep, that does what? Like, you're going to stop me from, like, military missiles? Like, how, how are you going to use it, Lex? Like, so like, what are you going to do? <laughs> But,
3: yeah. um, I mean, gardeners are not going to be buying anything here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but in terms of general, like sort of idea, yeah, I, I think it was. I think what really plays well, what I kind of really like about um, is like super how he just casually sort of thinks things through and comes up with stuff that people haven't even really thought about. Like, well, of course, you know, there'll be um, there'll be metals, they will be radioactive too. So obviously, that can kill him, and he can't see for lead. So oh, there you are. That's how we're going to. That's how we're going to get him and it's there's there's certain sort of like a logic to it that um it, that's really well played off um and there's and it's not, it's very well played off that you don't necessarily think well of course not everyone's thinking about it but this guy's actually really really smart dangerously smart and i think it's to the to gene Hackman's uh should we say performance
2: i think he uh, plays a role with a kind of like he's really enjoying it it's kind of He's kind of reveling in his kind of lens as it were.
3: Oh, it's a big performance. Uh, very much he so. it Goes big. I just think a lot of this from now on go just goes on a bit too long because we yeah, cut I to the west coast you, David, and bit, it, and too. it's kind it of does... a, a lot sparser. So suddenly the visuals aren't as nice, um, and it just takes a long time to play out. Um, he because he it starts with him. He basically uh, reprograms. The Rockets, doesn't he? Which is a... There's a bit of a comedy sequence with that, that how they distract Larry Hagman's colonel or whatever he <laughs> uh His US
2: with, Major.
3: Yeah. And then... And then you've got Otis putting the wrong coordinates in, perfectly understandably, but the reaction's <laughs> quite funny. Needs a longer arm. And then he gets Superman to come to his place by speaking on his frequency, which again is a bit of a stretch. How would he know that? But all right. Yeah, um,
2: I wonder if that was in the... In the it could have been, yeah. We yeah, didn't know,
3: we didn't know. Yeah, uh, But of course, it's to get him in there to put basically kryptonite around his neck. Yeah,
2: it's the one thing, obviously, you know, that he can't
3: survive. Well, he survives as long as the plot needs him to, to be fair. Well,
1: exactly, yeah, to be <laughs> fair. But, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, like, I mean like, at which point, so uh, uh, we act the bit where Superman's at, Lex. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There, there's a love. There's a lovely scene when it... it he, but he puts the crypt out around his neck and he's in the pool and he, he after reveals his plan and then Mr. Testmarker says, but my mum lives in New Jersey and he kind of just... Hackensack, like, Hackensack New Jersey. Is that yeah. that? Well, seems I, I, deliberately
3: I, I, cruel. He's I, chosen Hackensack, New Jersey for the other thing. You would have known that.
1: I mean, I, I, think, I don't think he's necessarily just thought of that but um, I bet it's just that little sort of look at the watch and went shaking the head. He's very sort of uncaring, That is like, it? oh, that's such a good... I think it's probably my favourite uh, mm. part of the... Love lot lex in these films um, so yeah. yeah i just love that bit but yeah
3: once he says something to him like uh, is this how you get your kicks destroying the lives of millions and he goes no <laughs> taking the lives of millions. <laughs> or something like that I think the <laughs> slightly wrong. something wrong those lines but yeah superman is slowed down by the whole thing that there is the kryptonite uh but uh miss teshmarker takes it off him if, yeah, he, if he Superman. promises to save yeah. her first. So he's got to go
1: for that missile first. And um yeah, then not before him essentially sexually assaulting her <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like it's a bit out random about of the blue well, isn't it just
3: like... a couple of films time he'll sexually assault like Billy Connolly's wife on the Statue of Liberty so um, <laughs> um,
0: yeah
1: it, it, it and, bit... and it's casually just like cruel to Lois Lane in in in, in Superman 4 <laughs> just...
3: what I think this this is where we start to see uh, they were in they were under the gun they were running over they were running out of money they were going to make two films. The second film was going to end with Lois dying somehow, and the spinning the world back. Um, they decided that they were going to put, and they were going to put it in this film. In what became the Donner cut of two, we find that this film would have ended with um, the, the rocket being pushed into space and breaking the three supervillains out of the Phantom Zone, because their little glass panels floated far enough now to be near Earth um it's kind of similar in the theatrical cut they're still broken out in a kind of similar way but they they have to put another set piece in um consequently this is all a bit botched it's all a bit all right we got to finish this film somehow yeah, yeah. so I'm not over. I'm just not fond of this stuff from now on. I've loved this film so far that it's it's genius. You would almost not notice that there are three distinctly different tones in the film. Everyone in the film's magnificent. You've got the definitive screen Superman. It's been fantastic, but I'm not fond of this last last sort of three quarters of an hour very much.
2: It does struggle a little bit. It kind of takes a while to get to where it wants to go, and it's just like get on with it, get on with it, you know.
1: There, there are moments in it i must admit um i mean i do agree with you in terms of the concept it's absolutely flawed and we'll get to the bit that i actually hate but um i think in mm. what is really good is the the bit with lois where a car's getting uh, trapped and it is generally That's terrifying really, really harrowing. It is, it's nightmarish almost it's like it's like the stuff that you would like just traumatize you mm. um so for that i must give it credit for that um
3: yeah, I mean, watching it tonight, he, he senses something's going on with her. And so he flies to try to save her. And he takes ages to get there. And you think seconds later, he circles the Earth dozens of times in seconds. Exactly. And, it, and, it, and all right, that's a silly point. But that's only there because they've kind of, like, rushed it. it it's kind of like, well, we got to do something. There's two bits of hate in this sequence. They're, first up, there's basically an earthquake because he's fired two, two missiles, one towards Hackensack, basically just to distract Superman and the other one towards the San Andreas Fault. That's his plan, to break part of California off into the sea, and then he owns a load of what is currently worthless desert land that will then become beachfront property. That's the idea. Otisburg. (laughs) Otisburg? Yeah. He's drawn drawn all this on the floor in his apartment. (laughs) Yes, it's the wrong way around. Yeah. So there is an earthquake, and it's followed by a load of aftershocks, so it breaks like the Hoover Dam, which injures, injures Jimmy, nearly floods, of, nearly floods Toy Town. And, um, <laughs> That's really- well, it's the only shit miniatures in it. There's a bit where he basically causes a bit of a landslide to, to cut off the river. And the river is cut off. The landslide is like what looked like little pebbles. And the town is clearly sat on some like subutio style like astroturf with little dolls' houses.
1: Is it a bit it's like Team completely- America?
3: It's really, it is <laughs> sub Team America. It's really poor. I don't know if that was a reshoot or whatever, because we know Derek Maddings could do excellent miniatures. Uh, I would imagine that was a time issue. If he's he perhaps. perhaps there wasn't going to be the actual earthquake in the original. Perhaps they just had to get some of that inserted footage. So that's quite poor. But then obviously, we go from sublime to terrible, because you've just had this harrowing death scene. He pulls her out of the car. She's filthy and messy and dead
1: um I'm that, only glad that they... performance is great by the way i think i it's... am really glad they didn't cast Piers
3: brosnan <laughs>
1: uh, you know what i mean it would just be like, it would oh, just like oh. be... <laughs>
3: he wouldn't be flying around the earth several times George the, was, to me. this is per- this is perfect but the way he gives well, she's the still warm is wonderful <laughs> i know <Zip>. exactly <laughs> If only that had been an Aston Martin she'd <laughs> been buried in, Piers Brosnan would have turned up. <sighs> like it might be my day. Um, yeah. I, Dear so diary. Up, up until he screams and flies up into the sky, it's absolutely fantastic. Is this now the bit that yeah. you don't like, Chris?
1: Yeah, uh, I think this contradicts everything. Um, I mean at starters it's it's bad. Uh it doesn't make any sense. Um, I mean, the fact in your chat that you can't just fly around the world and turn back time is absolutely preposterous. Um, um, so on that level, it's completely rubbish. And not only that, he turns back time, but by the movie's logic, but everything's still resolved. Everything's like so. Everything's already he's already done. He's done. Um, I know, and he, he comes and it's back, a, and it's just and like,
3: she, and she's like, "I've had a terrible day, earthquakes and everything, and like the the, the, the everything's fine." <laughs>
1: Give me a bad time. he's like, oh, "What? what, what where, where? have you? Can't like sort of come help me like start my car?" I'm like, well, I've been busy, Lois. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> um, I, right? I, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. you're engine you could do with a
3: bit of a surface yeah, on like, this engine, yeah. and... <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: I mean, like I mean, fair enough, she was blissfully unaware of all the shit, but she just mentioned all those like those earthquakes going on and all this stuff. It's like But, but yeah.
3: everything around you is undamaged. <laughs> you were buried in a landslide before. This doesn't make any sense at all. I
1: know, it's it, it it it's it's like what what are you thinking? Like how how does this make any sense whatsoever? But the
3: desperation of how he plays it. Is extraordinary, and even if it, even as he's flying around the earth, you get close-ups. Yeah, and I mean... you almost and and that whole because I was thinking about that whole speed issue. Like like in the theatrical version, he flies to Paris next week, and it takes quite a while. You, well, actually, it's almost like he's almost used the force. You know, he's almost drawn more power from grief, and that's how he's generated yeah. such speed. It's a shit idea, but it's actually reasonably. It's a ba- it's the, a well executed, terrible idea.
1: The the performance I mean yes, I'll go with that. Uh the performances I do not have a problem with. Um but the whole idea on principle is a it's it's a shit idea, it doesn't make any sense on yeah. any level, it breaks its own rules and Every not, time
3: you have a bad date, just turn the earth back. Well, it,
1: exactly. Not, not only that, it's like, well, what's the point? You might as well just fly around the world every, every, every time something bad happens. What's the point in doing anything? Because you just resolve everything by, by doing that. Also, I think it also contradicts the, the message of, of the lesson you're supposed to learn. Like, you can't stop everything. You can't. That you hangs
3: to, yeah, but that hangs together better. I think that's, I think if you take that as the message, which within the context of this film I think is correct, He couldn't save his father. Well, yes, you can't uh, save everybody. You're probably right. Across the arc of the two films, as best we understand them from what we know of the Richard Donner cut, more on that next week. We will be concentrating, just just as an aside, we'll be focusing mainly on the theatrical cut, because that's what everyone has seen. But we will be talking about the differences. And Marlon Brando is in the so-called director's cut of the film, the Donner cut. Um, and I think it's much it plays much more it plays a lot better when the theme is actually about selfishness you know his his adopted father tried to teach him that yes you can uh you know do touchdowns and everything, but it's not just about you you're here for something more. Jorel tried to teach him that he's there for something more and that you don't put one above the rest of them um and he pays the ultimate price for that in the second film, the Donner version. He doesn't in the theatrical cut. Hence, I think the cohesiveness of that theme gets a little bit lost. And we're left with then what you see, Chris, which is, well, hang on a minute, you learned earlier in the film you can't save everybody. Yeah. But in some respects, having said that, he hears his dad's voice. And it's like, well, you are here for a reason. And it's like, actually, I can save people. Now I know what my skill set is.
1: I... Yeah, I just don't think it's eight earned that that well, and I think it's just a flawed idea. I think it's just tries tries to make sense of it, but it, I to me, well, I quite agree. I don't it like doesn't. It. Um, so, I, I, it, I, reason why I don't like it because I, I think it's just bad on every level. I mean, put performances aside, and 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 how and how it's actually directed, I suppose, yes, but and, and um,
3: California has rarely been shot uglier mainly because of where they are in California. Yeah. I, don't, I don't mean that as a knock on Jeffrey Unsworth. This film's beautiful. But it, it just it's just all a bit sparse and barren, and I don't like it very much. Becca, what did you think?
2: I would kind of have to agree with Chris a little bit, to be honest. Um, just, a just, kind of undo, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. It is kind of undo everything. Um, and I find the idea of him sort of going around the world, it's, it's an amazing effect. But I just find the idea of him kind of going... The other way around the globe. So actually, it wouldn't actually reverse time, I don't think. Yeah,
3: and when when the Earth comes to a standstill, wouldn't we all just like fly off? We
2: would all die. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, defies the laws of physics. And I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I just think, what? But, you know, it's a nice effect. Um, Does it it remind you of
1: uh, British Airways or is it Concorde? You know, we see like the, the, the lines going around the Earth. I know the one you're on about I, I can't Yeah it is the, one of those yeah, isn't it uh,
3: The effect is done again in the Donner cut It wasn't ever intended to be Because one of the knocks on that film was but He did that in the first film When he wouldn't have yeah. They're no. just piecing to bed together as best they can But it, he probably would have had Lois die in the second film And then turn the earth back And do something different in one yeah.
0: But because you've yeah. killed
3: her in one You can't really kill her in two So no. it ends up being a bit linked, more linked to the love story The effect is done better in two I've still got the same is problems it? with it but they, they handle yeah. the visuals of it a lot better. Obviously, it's made a lot later, but they are still trying to mimic what they would have done in 70... right? Well, yeah, 80, sure. in that case. It, um, it does look
2: better. And plus, it's, it's still very much kind of on the nose as well, because obviously, previously in the film, he's like, you know, you mustn't meddle in the affairs of humans and don't affect... Them.
3: It isn't just about the limits of what he can do, though. It's also about putting his own interests first. And that gets, de- as I say... Yeah,
0: what, he, gets what he can't do from week. moral... The, un-
3: the undoing, because he loses his powers in two, I won't go into it much more than that, but clearly it, gets undone. it? it gets undone because there's a Superman three and four. Um, but the way they undo that loss of his power is much more personal and painful and uh, meaningful in the Donner cut than it is in the theatrical cut. And it has a direct link to having to pay the price for your own selfishness so i think across the two films although they would have come out differently we'd still have hated the idea but thematically it might have worked a bit better
2: it has more kind of emotional impact i guess the second time around so but i think it kind of um it's a really good effect but i think from then on the film ends really quickly saves the world and that's it drops them off in prison you know all all the same same team team team. and it's like Bye. the end the end it's like oh okay
3: the space breaks the fourth wall
2: Credits. up into the sunset. Yeah, all of a sudden at the end. Oh. I don't know if yeah. you get
3: sunsets in space. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe not, you know.
3: Where do I go for a decent sunset up here? <laughs> mm. Well, well that,
2: you, that, you know what I mean. <clears throat> it's not a sunset, but. Flies that up into last the, shot know. Know.
3: is the last shot of every film he does. Mm-hmm. They actually yes. reuse it. They don't refilm it or anything. That scene where he flies into space, looks at the camera, smiles, yeah. and then flies off. They
2: use
1: I that. I think it's lovely. Um, yeah, I
2: agree.
1: So, yeah, so that's Superman. Superman the movie. Um, I'm not sure why they, why they decided to call it the movie, just to clarify that it's a movie, but. Um, yeah, Superman, could... <laughs> Superman the local newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading
3: Frank Skidder's book. I never noticed it when I lived in the Midlands, but he was talking about how his local paper growing up, well, not growing up, I think he was an adult by then, he was living in. Smethic, uh which is it feels like part of Birmingham when you're up there actually because it all feels within the city limits, but it kind of isn't. Uh, their local newspaper is called the Smethwick Telephone, right? And he was just like, Do you think they were looking at it going, Well, it's clearly some form of communication, <laughs> <laughs> we'll call it a telephone, um,
2: other than yeah. the telegraph?
1: Superman oh. the movie you used to get a lot. Of, well, I, I suppose the following year, you had Star Trek the motion picture, I suppose, yeah. But then there was a clear differentiation between that and the TV show, wasn't there? So it was like, I suppose there was that. Yeah.
2: Wasn't it like the, the Amazing Adventures of Superman or something mm. along those lines?
1: I don't know. I mean, could, could be. I mean, maybe. I'm just overthinking it at the time as well, because, you know, you think mm. the, the comics as well. So it's like, the movie, the events. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so what do we, final thoughts? i loving all your
2: funny voices this evening. This is quite do, amazing.
1: Oh, do you like them? Okay, good. I'll, uh, I
2: do.
1: What's been your favourite so far?
3: I don't know. Um, I'm thinking it could be a permanent feature, along with Chris's Leching Corner.
1: <laughs> Letching Corner. Uh, this was an idea I pitched to
3: Chris off air. He wasn't keen.
0: We're talking. Facts, we're talking. But no. Yeah, we're
3: talking about the long-term success of the fun facts. <laughs> I went with Chrissy's Letching Corner. <laughs> he wasn't pee. he said why he said
0: why if you why pick, me why, why be?
3: me I'm like well, I can't pick Becca to do, like <laughs> leching over women's pants and stuff
1: although I'm certain some listeners would really like that <laughs> what what leching over women's pants or me talking about leching oh okay
3: before I go any further she had a tremendous pair of norks. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh dear
3: um my final thoughts on this film are, are quite simply... I've said it all the way through, really, that I, I thought it was going to be... I'm I'm used to the last third to maybe a quarter of a film being weak, particularly in sort of an action genre. And I'm used to... But I actually thought falsely, as I went through this film, about halfway through we were done with the good stuff after he saved Lois. But it does go a little bit further with the interview and all the rest of it. And looking at the version I watched, I've watched both, but tonight it was the extended cut where I was doing the time checks. So it was a two hour, 31 minute film, in, including credits. And everything after about one thirty-five I didn't really like very much apart from some of the performances. But the first one hour 35, and I was almost ready to say, cause two used to be my favorite in this series. I've, and I'll go through the flaws in that argument next week because there are problems with saying that but I think it still stands as one of the strongest superhero films ever made I think it's responsible for the fact one of the it's one of the reasons we we get strong casts in superhero films now although there wasn't a glut of great superhero films that followed this well it was good enough for Brando it was good enough for Gene Hackman and so on so it wasn't such a stretch to go and get a Nicholson or something like that it's got a singular feel to it. It's, it's got one of the finest scores I can think of. All of it is just beautiful. Um, some of the sequels uses some of the same fanfare, but there's different people writing different elements of it. It's the last film from an absolute master in Jeffrey Unsworth, so it's got this beautiful lighting to it. And if you want one scene to show that, the interview between Lois and, and Superman on the balcony, it's just got this lovely feel to it that you can never recapture Spider-Man, batman anything they're not going to have it nor should they have it they shouldn't look exactly the same but it remains a flawed film but that was largely its production and having to compromise towards the end but for the most part it's very very special indeed uh i uh,
1: agree with you uh, dave i think this is probably um a huge contender for the Best superhero film ever made. I was thinking um, about
3: it earlier. It's still in my top four, I'd say.
1: Yeah. But I, w- I won't talk about the other
3: three now. Th- but it's still in my top four.
1: I think there's something really charming, really magical, and really very sweet about this film. I think it's um, more importantly than anything, it captures the real heart of Superman right out of the gate. Um, with a few issues aside, um, largely due to time, money, and production issues, um, I think I think this film is is bang on. Um, I think the only thing that lets it down are are, are those issues um, sadly but um, aside from that it gets so much right and it's hard not to get swept away and, and feel like all the things you're supposed to feel you know I think of Superman I think every Superman film should aim for this so I'm
3: not referring to comic books here because I don't know them in the other example I'm going to give but with the possible, but I'm just looking at how they inhabited the role, and when we now think of that character, I think only Robert Downey Jr. has ever come close to looking almost born to play a character.
1: Margaret Mar- Mar- Robbie, from Suicide Squad.
3: Well, that's a really good shout, actually. But that's a that's another conversation. But certainly, yeah. as a certainly as a lead, yeah, I can't imagine Iron Man and it not being Robert Downey Jr. Now, I think that's true with a lot of the Marvel universe, but it, it instantly felt right. Whether that's because I didn't know the character too well, I don't know, but Christopher Reeve was born to play this character.
1: Yeah, and I think I'll go with that on uh, Robert Downey.
2: Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, if I had all the all the actors so far I've played Superman, but I think in terms of, I mean, for me, anyway, um, even though, you know, I'm not like, a, as I say, I'm not a super fan of Superman, um, Reeve is Superman, you can't, the, the two are kind of forever joined together, you can't, Separate one from the other. Well, you kind of can, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, you think of it think of Superman. Um, yeah, I kind of argue you, you guys pretty much. It is the best, if not one of the best, superhero movies of all time. Um, sort of genre-defining, really. And, um, yeah, it's one of those... I don't know where I place it in like, Pantheon of like, favourite movies, but this is like, one of my favourite superhero movies um, in terms of the genre.
3: I think it'd be easier to rank it if there wasn't like an 11-year gap. So yeah like from this to like the next start of a of a big high budget comic book franchise i think by the i mean they come they come back with sort of batman and then really it's from like x-men in 2000 onwards so superman is like the grandfather of them all both as a character and as a, as a film series and so it sit, it sits apart you can't really put it up against an iron man or a or in avengers it, it, it's too different
0: it's complete, uh, yeah, completely different i mean
3: as a character from the way he's been presented on screen the closest we've had is captain america in terms of just such a all-round good guy
2: i, mean, I, was, I remember speaking to us with them um, some friends like when marvel was coming out comparing it between marvel and dc um and one of my friends sort of complaining that Superman is quite, is quite bland as a character um, like he's basically kind of apart from also Kryptonite but like he's you know he can fly um, he's really strong he can see through walls and he's basically perfect and impervious to paint and everything it's like well actually hold on if he starts to peel away the layers there is quite a complex character and he's not you know in terms of um, sort of from an emotional kind of standpoint there has got a lot more to him than that, so perhaps he's not quite so boring.
1: I mean, I always say when people say things like that, um, it's like, well, it, it's how much how much you read into it. I mean, it depends on exactly. what... You, it dep- I mean, Superman can be a really boring, bland character if he's written wrong, you know, but the, the the mark of like what makes a good film on what you know on what is is how it's written you know it's it's like what do you do like even like with something like Captain America who is basically like, a goody two shoes Boy Scout well, what do you do to make him interesting you know it's like a Winter Soldier you well, take they've it, managed it. yeah you put you put him well, in, exactly. you put him in a situation and you put somebody
2: like Chris Evans in the
0: role
1: yeah well no it's not just that but you put him in a situation where it's put to the test where it comes complicated where you got this inner conflict. you know with like it it depends on like Superman can be just like this good heroic boy scout but it's the inner conflict it's the human qualities it's the fighting those demons that it's like fighting the, it's the struggles of everyday life it's like well why can't i just yeah, reveal why can't i complex you know why can't i just have an ordinary life why why can't i just you know do these things Why you know why can't i just save everybody you know it's it's, it's demon that's sort of like in a guilt but at the same time it's the jeff goldblum ha- argument having to, yeah. Yeah. again it's just yeah.
0: because
3: you know you can should you though um, and th- so there's always limits to his power. There's an emotional naivety to him. I mean, he grew up in the sort of the middle of nowhere yeah. on a farm. Yeah, well, he's, he is he's he's an done alien. Done anyway, much, he? He's an alien. So, you know, he always kind of feels a bit of an outsider, a bit adopted. That's one of the things that drew Brian Singer to it because Brian Singer's adopted. And he can't have the things in life that would make him happy but he genuinely cares about people at the same time. But also there's, there's different levels of power as well. I mean, you know, it, it, it's different types of power as well. I mean, if you if you know, you know, think of like speed and physical strength, then maybe. But we know from the other universe with Marvel that, the, you know, there's characters who can play with time and things like that, like Doctor Strange. Well, how would Superman deal with something like that? Hmm. So I, I don't really agree because s- superheroes are generally as strong as the plot requires them to be. So if the plot requires them to be challenged, they will find whatever they're fighting challenging. Batman has no superpowers, but they make him, you know, generally when they do it right, they make him deeply intelligent and he thinks his way around it. I, I don't buy that argument. The other thing I think you've got to bear in mind is this is 1978. It's an era that's had an awful lot of very dour films. Great films, but certainly downbeat in their way about corruption and the way the world was. But also, it's the first time. I mean, they they invented the te- the flying technology for this film. So I think if you're showing off what is possible in sim- cinema, Superman's a great vehicle for that.
1: I think so. I mean, as I, I say, think about it like at a time where it, it, things was a lot more dark, a bit more dour. Everything's about um, corruption and things like that. Uh, it's almost like a perfect time to have this kind of like symbol of hope, of, like the American, the real American way, and sort of like how you could, how things could be. If we just take a shining example, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, even Batman could be like a, a boring character. I mean, you know, he can just, sorry, write, write him as just a guy who goes around just beating people up, you know. But well, as,
3: as much as Batman has a lot more love interests, generally yeah. speaking, through his history, he still can't commit to somebody per se. Yeah, you know, he, he's still having his whole life compromised. He's still trying to work through his days when he's busy all night, sort of thing. And he's a billionaire. There's a certain remoteness to him. I think you could level. It's easier to level it at Superman because Superman is like almost seen as perfect,
1: which I think is a mistake as well. I mean, you don't have to pay him as perfect. I mean, it's like I think they sort of build him as like sort of like smart as well. Which um, well, that's not necessarily the case. He's just a like a, you know a, a, He's not perfect in this film. He's he, just he, he's just he, a guy he, from Kansas, really. He's he, just like, he goes
3: to see. He goes. He's been well brought up. Yeah. He's got good genes and he's been well brought up and he goes to, but he talks to his dad in the extended cut to be fair. You know, he's like, Keep your you've got to keep your other identity, and he's like, Well why? I don't want to. And he's bumbling and all the rest of it. You know, and in the second film where he's talking to his dad, but again, particularly the Donna cut, why haven't I done enough for these people? Mm. And it's not that he suddenly doesn't care about people, but there's still a bit of an internal struggle. He's not good and that's an end to it. He's good, but there's still internal struggles, and and that's not even really touching the comics. That that is the evidence we get through these films. Mm. Christ! By the time we get to Superman Returns, he's virtually a fucking stalker. <laughs> Bless, him. Oh, Bless him. Oh, I shagged her. Pity she can't remember.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Becca the glorious return of fun facts it's been weeks i've forgotten what a fact even looks like
2: yes i have um only about four fun facts this week but i do have some fun facts
3: i think it's worth a jingle hang on there you
2: go i <laughs> will have to come up with a new jingle
3: it might be the last time i play that but it's literally just because it's been so long I want to give it some fanfare
2: and that's it there may be a new item coming soon to replace facts. so watch this
3: space Chris Chris's legend corner
1: <laughs> <laughs> literally rubbing my thighs like Vic Reeves yeah, it'll just be it'll just be <laughs> did you notice
3: 38 minutes in you got a flat you knickers <laughs>
1: That means I'm gonna to have to pay attention now. I don't like the pressure.
3: <laughs> Not to be
2: confused with
1: Fruit Corner. Yeah. <laughs> what? Were you at the end? <laughs> like,
2: it's just Fruity Corner. Or he's, you know, oh, this is a tasty apple during this film. <What>? So <laughs> That's what sort of Fruit I Corner you are expecting. How
3: does that work outside of, like, The Wrath of Khan? I can't think of any films where someone added, like, an apple that looked really good. Right. So our se- our sequel to Fun Fact <laughs> is Chris pointing out interesting fruit he's noticed in the film. <laughs> I mean, fuck me if it's it, it'll be a long segment if we cover a film that's got like a vineyard in it.
1: They'll <laughs> ever cover a good year. Be great. No. <laughs> oh god, that, <laughs> that 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 tangerine looks tangy. <laughs>
2: See, it's got mileage it's got mileage Chris
3: ledges at fruit <laughs> Firm melons
0: <sighs> well anyway back to the fact.
2: Chris has exploded so yeah we've got some odd cameos in this movie which I think is quite fun um, Larry Hagman from Dallas turns up um, as a US Army Major um, you've got William Russell who is um Ian Chesterton in the very first series of Doctor Who, um playing at Elder right at the beginning. Um, Larry Lamb from Gavin and Stacey and EastEnders. I, where is he? Um he's also I think he's is a in the um, in the newsroom. So you did all these people are kind of okay. not credited there. Um uh-huh. Oz Clark, T V chef and wine connoisseur. Um British actor David Calder, who's mainly known for Shakespearean work and being on the stage. And also I think in the Extended Cut, um Richard Donner appears. As a cameo role, um, I wasn't looking out for him this time, but he is in there. But,
3: uh, he's in there is actually an error, um, in that when they went after, not long after, you know, Christopher Reeve's accidentally grabbed snatch, and they head out the building just before they get mugged. They he gets caught in the revolving door going out, and you get a reflection uh-huh. of Richard Donner because he's actually wielded the camera at that point.
2: There he is, um, yeah, as we mentioned it before. Obviously, to get fit for the role, he went a uh, rebound transformation, bodybuilding. Supervised by Darth Vader himself. It's quite impressive, I think. Um, we're talking about who, which actors um, turned down the role of Superman. Mentioned um, Dustin Hoffman. He was also offered the role of Luthor, and he turned it down. So <laughs> that would have been a very interesting villain. hell, at uh, that rate. Do you Hitler. want to play Miss Test Marker?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: we well, did tipsy, so you never know. And <laughs> um, final fun fact of the day. Um, Obviously Richard Donner wanted Jerry Goldsmith to do the score. Um but due to scheduling okay. you know scheduling conflicts. Um John Williams popped said, Yep, I'll do it and history was made. Um and obviously um Goldsmith later to do the go on to write the score for Supergirl in nineteen eighty four. It's fun folks. <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> appraising your own material there, Becca <laughs> Not very not very
2: fun, but interesting anyway, I think. it's, it's interesting somehow. <clears throat> Um somehow how, somehow. These things work out, you
3: know. That's it then, Superman the movie. So we move on next to obviously this the sequel, um, some of which was shot at the same time. <clears throat> Eagle eyed you can sometimes tell when some of it was different. Um I would say we'll talk we were shot at a different time anyway, but we'll cover that more next week. What about social media, folks?
2: Where can we find us?
1: Uh, you can find me at Cinematronics on Twitter. You can find us website at Cymatronics.co.uk, where you can find uh, all my old podcasts from before. Hopefully, ours will have some new ones. I keep saying this, but um, yeah, one day I... it'll be true. One Come day, one day I will have a new podcast. Uh, but yes,
3: but in the meantime, you can check out our first thoughts on Batman V <laughs> <laughs> from last year. <laughs> okay, you can find me at the Pasty 1976 on Twitter.
2: On Twitter, you can follow us at expected to talk. We're also on Facebook.com/slash expect to talk. Um, you can drop us an email if you want, expect to talk at gmail.com. And also, we are on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, for iTunes, just type do expect us to talk into the search box. But don't forget to give us a glowing five star review. It helps us to rank higher, you know. You, you know, you know. You know, you know, you know. And attract more of those all important listeners. So yeah, get on the iTunes, give us a glowing review, and download this podcast.
1: So, where does that leave us next week? Do you
2: expect us to talk? We'll return with Superman 2. Uh, duh, 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 duh,
1: duh.